Welcome in, everybody, to this edition of McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. Of course, I'm Danielle McCartan, and I'll be talking all things New York sports with you till 6 a.m. on this early Sunday morning or late Saturday night. Listen, I saw some people out and about tonight. The city is getting back to normal. Maybe you're in a rideshare home at this point, or maybe you're working on a weekend like usual. Hey, me and Nick are too. Do not Adjust your clock. It is correct, I think, if your phone changes automatically. Your phone is correct. It is a special three-hour, 3 a.m. edition coming your way tonight. As I said, Nick is with me tonight. We are coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio here in Lower Manhattan. You guys know that number, 877-337-6666. Let's load them up with your best content only. Thank you. Tonight, I have another very special guest for you in the next hour. Coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, Brian Hoke, longtime New York Yankees reporter for MLB.com. He does great work. You got Yankees fans, you do not want to miss that. And that reminds me, right now, I am wearing a Yankees t-shirt in, uh, in, in honor of him. Uh, it's number 99, Judge, on the back. Uh, so, uh, just a little reflection here. One year ago this weekend... Um, I could speak from my both professions here. Uh, teachers gathered in auditoriums across the country on Friday, the 13th of March, 2020. And uh, we were told to bring home enough material to teach from home for two weeks. One, le- one year later, we are still working in, in my educated opinion, a much more difficult scenario, hybrid learning. Medical staff as well across the country, once they return home from fighting COVID on the front lines, quarantined and isolated themselves in their garages eating and sleeping away from their families so as to not potentially infect them by bringing the virus home to them. And we can go on and on, but as this applies to sports, it was Tuesday, March 10th, 2020, when the Ivy League, the smartest in the business, the Ivy League canceled its men's and women's basketball tournament and terminated the seasons of all of its teams and student-athletes, winter sports, that is, at that point. On March 12th, The only athletic competition that was still going on in the country was, very locally, the Big East quarterfinal between Creighton and our St. John's. That game ended at halftime. And so life has changed immensely since then in in every way. We still wear masks. I still wipe down this place after even getting two of the vaccines, part one and two. We stopped to reflect upon and mourn those that we lost at the one-year mark here while we still work together to defeat this virus. But... We are seeing the light at the end of this very dark time in our collective history. And might I remind you, the bubonic plague, which has many similarities to what we are living through right now. Just Google Venetian doctor's mask. You know what else? You'll see what I mean. The bubonic plague led to the emergence of the Renaissance. And we, everyone, are poised for our own Renaissance. Hang tight, be responsible, and be considerate of others. And we will get there, too. And speaking of changes... That's just the way it is. Things will never be the same. So things might never be the same in baseball. There are some new rules, and that's just the way it is that the MLB is implementing at various minor league levels for this season. That was Tupac changes. I guess maybe it's in an effort to maybe drum up more action in the game, right? So at the AAA level, they are experimenting with larger base sizes. I want to get your opinions on this tonight. Larger base sizes. They're going 18 inches instead of 15. 
uh, with a less slippery surface. And I guess the idea is to increase stolen bases and, and generate more action because the distance now between the bases is going to be six inches shorter. Luke Voigt, not a fan. He said, I don't think they need to change that. I think that's stupid, honestly. Not to quote. <laughs> At AA, all four infielders must be positioned on the infield dirt. Uh, I would like some more clarification on that until the release, uh, until the, the batter swings. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know, but you know, fielders will be potentially in motion. They probably won't be backpedaling, or I would not recommend that. So you'd have to think that they'll be playing back and moving in on a batted ball. So does that open up more infield singles? Voigt, he's kind of for it. He says you got to adapt in this game, and if you don't adapt, you find your way out of it. I think a lot of players have found their way out of it because of the shifting. If you have to hit the ball the opposite field or try to do something different with your approach, change it. I think a lot of guys get content. I think a lot of guys need to adapt to the game. DJ LeMay, who one of the best in the game at adapting, he said from the defensive standpoint, I'd rather just play straight up all the time and let my athleticism and defense take over. That's a nice answer if you're a Yankee fan. Then at high A, Pitchers must step off the rubber to attempt a pickoff, which definitely tips off the runner. I'm not sure that's going to generate more excitement, though. I guess the theory is that it would allow runners to take larger leads to increase the success of of stolen bases. Mm, Eh, on that one. At low A, they're limiting uh, a pitcher to two pickoff attempts per plate appearance. Call me crazy, but I kind of like this one. Maybe the most radical of the bunch. After two pickoffs, as a base runner, you know that you are free and clear to steal that base. Therefore, a pitcher will try to deliver a fastball as opposed to some sort of an off-speed pitch, and the hitter can sit dead red until he gets it. It's hit-and-run galore, potentially, which I love. And if there isn't a hit, at least the likelihood of a runner swiping a base safely increases. Now, all of a sudden, there's a runner in scoring position, and the game changes. Scoring is fun. Scoring is interesting. To the younger fan, that is, I guess. To put it in perspective, the 2019 season produced only 2,218 stolen bases, the fewest in a non-strike or or a pandemic-shortened season since 1973. There has not been much movement traffic on the bases. And just otherwise, also at low A in the west, they're doing a 15-second pitch clock. And low A in the southeast, they're doing automatic balls and strikes, everybody. That's something that that we might see move up the ranks uh, and make it to the MLB level before you know it. Well, here it goes again. The Yankees were dealt a huge blow by the injury bug this week, and that was okay go. Here it goes again. Zach Britton, who is a key cog in this Yankees bullpen, decided to get the bone chip removed instead of trying to rehab it and pitch through it. He explained, if this was during the season, I don't know that surgery would be the decision. He also said on Wednesday that he had contracted COVID-19 in early January, and he lost 18 pounds in 10 days. He estimated that it set his off-season pitching program back by about three to four weeks. And as far as surgery, it's not an end-all, be-all. Britain will be back in June or July. And I look to see who else has had this surgery and how they performed after it. Probably the biggest name that came up was Steven Strasburg in 2013. Then in 2014, he came back great, and he threw a career-high innings. 
I know he's a starter and Britain's a reliever, but I'm just trying to paint a picture of optimism because it's not the worst news. Probably better that it happened now than in the regular season, actually. But as bad as that news was to receive, Yankees fans have to be jumping on the positivity train and completely ecstatic about Luis 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 Severino's progress. I just got caught up on ecstatic. Ecstatic. I always say ecstatic. Um, But he's making great progress. All week, people around the organization were commenting about how good he looked while doing some just regular throwing. And finally, long-awaited, he has thrown his first bullpen session after Tommy John surgery. How did it go? Well, Mike Harkey, the bullpen coach, described Severino with these adjectives, comfortable and aggressive, adding, when he does come back, I think he's going to be much stronger. That is music to a Yankees fan's ears for sure. Severino could be scary on the bump for the Yankees. We will see. And I know I can speak for myself. I am absolutely loving this small ball approach by the Yankees at the plate. Maybe it's me making much ado about nothing, but it seems as though small ball might be making a small comeback in Tampa. Remember Brett Gardner's Grand Slam? Impressive, for sure. But what was more impressive to me anyway for this team was how the bases were loaded in the first place. Torres walked, Sanchez singled, and Andujar singled. Then Friday, the Yankees scored two runs. It was an earned run on a a Wade sack fly and a Gardner RBI single. Then Saturday was the best of them all. You guys see it? Aaron Hicks. Against the shift, laid down a beautiful bunt that straddled the line, bumped the third base bag in fair territory, and of course, stayed fair. You love to see it, and I want more of it. For how long have I been begging players to bunt against the shift? And I'm so happy to see it, especially on this Yankees team. And guess what? The defense, the opposing defense, will think twice before shifting against him next time, thus opening up the spots that he does like to hit to. What a concept. And are you buying the Gary Sanchez hype, Yankee fans? And let me tell you, I am. And I'm not just talking about his statistics. I've studied him closely, really. And he will be an absolute key for the Yankees to win the World Series. More from Tanner Swanson. Tanner Swanson is the uh, Yankees' director of catching. And he said, um, it was more, and this I found this interesting, it was more of a partnership than a coach-to-player directive in working with with Gary Sanchez. I agree with this concept mostly. Listen, I, I still believe that any individual player should not be running the team, right? However, in coaching, I'm doing air quotes here, today's athletes, I mean, they're just much more, I, I put myself in here, They were the athletes today are much more knowledgeable than I was as a player at, at their age. They question, they want to know why, and it's not in a bad way, but it's, to me anyway, but it's in an inquisitive way. So in order to get the buy-in, sometimes you have to give up a little bit of control, I've learned. you got to give the player a little bit of choice, but still have it under control, if you know what I mean. And I know the angry, get-off-my-lawn guys are scowling at the radio right now, but this is the new reality. It is. I know it because I've experienced it. Swanson also said, an overall refined process that Sanchez has committed himself this offseason to diving in, not just refining the techniques, but owning them. And it seems like it's working. Swanson says that pitches within the zone that Sanchez doesn't catch as he would like, those are becoming fewer and fewer due to his increased adjustability behind the plate to mislocations and unexpected movement. 
They're replicating it at practice, which is my favorite thing. My players, anybody that passes through my court or my field will tell you that my motto is, you practice how you play. I love that for Gary Sanchez. Also, Darren O'Day said after the game on Saturday that Sanchez wanted to stay in and catch him. That's so refreshing to hear. Sanchez challenging himself and building chemistry for the regular and postseason with a guy that has a really um, uh, unconventional delivery, we'll say, with lots of movement on, on his pitch. So it's good for Gary Sanchez. I'm buying the hype. I want to know what you guys think, too. Well, the Mets are covering all their bases, so to speak. We just talked about how my motto is Luis Rojas has taken it to a whole nother level. This is Cool in the Gang celebration. This week, the Mets played a game called 27 Outs, where they practice situationally, and they were not allowed to commit a single error for the length of the entire sim game. It's a great idea, seeing as though the Mets were towards the bottom of the league in defensive rating last season. I love the drill because it builds in situational play, and it generates some pressure on the players during practice, which may not always be there. I might even take this drill. The Mets were clearly playing in the 2021 World Series because after Conforto caught the 27th out deep in right field, a real celebration broke out all over the field. You know that book, The Secret, where you're supposed to like envision everything that you want in life and it becomes yours? I never read it, but that's kind of how I would summarize it, I think. <laughs> it's on the list. Don't worry. Dom Smith truly believes in it. He says, I believe in putting great things and positive things into the universe, and I feel like then it's more likely to happen. It gave me chills, especially looking back at that video. Chills from a potential World Series win in New York late this fall? Well, we'll have to wait and see, Mets fans. Don't get too excited. First things first, the Mets seem to have tipped their hand at their opening day lineup, and we can examine that with a magnifying glass coming up tonight as well. NFL owners are going to have to cut it back a little bit on their lifestyles of the rich and the famous, thanks to good Charlotte, because with the new post-COVID cap configurations, team salary caps have decreased from, it's like about $198 million to just about, I'm going to round up, $183 million. Think about it. That's kind of significant, like $16 million. That's like a whole good player's annual salary. Maybe the players have to cut back on their lifestyles of the rich and famous, too, because um, the NFL reminded teams on Wednesday that they have until May 3rd to exercise their fifth-year options on their 2018 first-round picks. Why does that matter here? Because it matters for the Jets. That Sam Darnold's option now reduces from about $25 million to about maybe a more stomachable $18.9 million. You've seen a flurry of activity this week around the entire NFL in terms of teams that have been shedding salary in order to stay under the cap. It's been hard to keep up, uh, I'll be honest, with all the players that have been finding new homes this season or potentially finding new homes this season and beyond, honestly. So I feel like just because of this whole thing, you know, the salary cap, you know, limits post-COVID, it's just been a little bit busier than normal. And the Jets are sitting pretty in the second-best cap situation in the league. In fact, at my last check, they trail only the Jaguars in cap space and only by about $300,000. And what does the draft blueprint look like for the Jets moving forward? Well, that is like a choose-your-own-adventure novel, and the book's ending is completely dependent upon who's under center for the Jets next season. Jets fans, I got you covered from A to Z on this. And the Giants, 
Well, Spot Track has them at $4.4 million over the cap, and the website over the cap has them at just about $2.4 million under. Either way, they're not in a great situation, especially add to add to a team that has, you know, just a need for some offensive firepower. Since Monday, they've terminated the contracts of Golden Tate, David Mayo, Cody Kaur, and Kevin Zeitler. In a move that most everyone saw coming, the Giants franchise tagged Leonard Williams for the second straight year. The NFL rules state this, that he has to earn 120% of last year's salary. So for this season only, right now, at the moment, he's set to earn $19.3 million. That's a lot. So the two sides are reportedly looking to ink a long-term deal, which would alleviate that one-year, really, cash pull from the Giants' tight bank account. They have until July 15th to do so, but at the same time, the Giants must be cap-compliant by March 17th, so please have that in mind. In the meantime, Williams is allowed to go. This is from the Giants' website, by the way. Williams is allowed to go to negotiate with other teams when the free agent period begins. So if he signs a contract elsewhere, the Giants would receive two compensatory first-round draft picks. So a lot to watch and follow there with that one single player but the Giants have said that they want him long term and recently. So I, I, you know, but I almost want to say that the Giants would be better off in him signing elsewhere and taking the picks. If, if I'm talking strictly about their cap situation. I know we had a breakout season last season, 11 and a half sacks, and and maybe there's some interest around the league. I don't know. And then Saturday, Ian Rappaport tweeted: The Giants and Nate Solder have agreed in principle to a reworked deal to return to the team. The two sides are working out the final details, but Solder is staying, barring any last-minute hiccups. The deal with him was this, and, and there's a lot of dollars here, but he, he said, I, listen, I think it would be more expensive to just, it would be too expensive to just cut him. If he was cut now, the Giants would, yes, save $6 million, but they'd also incur, I'm going to round up, an $11 million dead cap penalty. And if he was cut after June 1st, it would save the Giants $10 million. But they'd also incur, I'm going to round up again, a $7 million dead cap penalty. So hear me out. Maybe the guy has a bounce-back season. He's a, still a veteran. He's still a 17th overall pick. And he's still a two-time Super Bowl champion. And I know he had a terrible season in 2019. And I, and I know he opted out in 2020 because he cited family health concerns. But can you blame him? He did what he thought was best for his family. He himself, you know, in this unknown virus and these unknown protocols and this whole thing, right, he himself is a cancer survivor, and his son is also battling cancer. So before you jump, to, jump on him and jump to conclusions about that, please know the whole story. And he was going through it in 2019, too, with his son. So maybe you get a bounce-back season from him. And we could also talk about some basketball tonight. What is the key to the New York Knicks season, surprising season? For me, it's actually threefold, and I can tell you the three main contributors to a potential Knicks playoff berth, the first one since 2013. And which style of basketball do you prefer, the Knicks or the Nets? We here in the New York area are watching two very different styles of ball. So lots to do tonight, lots to get to. I have set the table for you guys hopefully very nicely. It is time to eat your midnight or 3 a.m. snacks. Can't wait to talk with you guys, 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan, After Midnight on the Fan in New York City. Hey, it's Boomer and Geo. Join us tomorrow morning, Selection Sunday. We'll break down a bunch of college basketball teams we haven't seen play all year. What a weekend. Boomer and Geo, 6 to 10 a.m. with the warm-up show starting at 5 right here on the Fan. Wow.
Welcome back to McCartney After Midnight here on this uh, 326. Don't don't adjust your clocks. That is right. It is 326. It is daylight savings time here in New York City. That means uh, for right now, I'm going to be leaving here in the dark. But hey, listen, everybody loves a longer day. I love when the sun sets around, I don't know, 730, 8, 830. Those are the best days. Long days. Oh, I can't wait for it. But we've got plenty. It's just it's that time of year where we've got a mishmash of things to pick from to talk about tonight. Yankees in spring training. Mets are in spring training. About halfway through, right? A little over halfway through. Um, by the way, uh, Mets fans couldn't watch the game. Uh, I should say last night, Saturday night. Couldn't watch the game because, you know, it wasn't on TV. And you heard my gripe last week about that. Just ridiculous. Um, and, of course, the Nets played and won. Very close game. The Knicks. Knicks are still rolling, guys. It's, uh, it's it's a little bit surprising. You know, I'm pretty good at pred- uh, predicting these things. And, you know, like I said, I, I'm about to put my my Super Bowl bet on for next year, I guess. Uh, this week, I'll, I'm going to put it, and maybe I'll tell you next week. Um, but, um, yeah, just this, this Knicks team, I just didn't see it coming. And, of course, uh, a flurry, flurry of activity with uh, the, um, the NFL this week all across the league. The cap information came out. Teams are shedding salary left and right, you know, and, and many, many, many good players are going to be finding new homes starting in the 2021 season. So what does that mean for our Giants and our Jets? Well, the Jets are in a pretty good position um, so long as they don't sell the farm for a quarterback that it's not going to help them to get to the playoffs. Just a single player inputted into that lineup is not going to get them to the playoffs, uh, if, especially if they sell the farm. So um, cap situation, though, is great. Giants, though, they got to do some finagling. They got to do some uh, – I know that has a negative connotation. I don't want to mean it like that, but the Giants have to do some figuring out, some restructuring. They have to uh, They have to make it work. Dave Gettleman's got to make it work. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. So let's go to the phones for the first time tonight. 877-337-6666. Of course, in the order that you guys called, Kevin and Camden. You're up first again this week. How are you, Kevin? I'm good, Coach. How are you? I'm good. I want to talk about the Giants because I told you I think they made a mistake. Because Zeitler, yeah, he costs a lot of money, but he's one of the better guards in the league. And you and I both know that Giants' O-line is is terrible okay they are not good and Solder, look i know they're reducing his cap but he is not a good tackle so i i came with this call prepared because i got two tackles right now that i would sign (laughs) i I don't doubt that you are prepared for this go ahead tell me tell me you're so upset with nate Solder. all right but but who are you proposing here tell me all right eric fisher from the chiefs Mm. he's a free agent He's injured. He's coming off an injury, so he's not going to cost, you know, like a lot of these other tackles that would be out there. Because, you know, he's going to want to prove it, like a kind of like a prove it deal, which I know how much you love those. I love those deals. Yes. He's going to want one of those. So I say if the Giants could get get him, I'd take him over Solder any day of the week. Hmm. I'm just looking. What did he make last year? Let's see. 2021. Let's see. Career earnings. Okay. He's not that expensive. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, last year, yeah, okay. All right, I'm in on him. And uh, Riley Reef of the Vikings was another one that came to my mind. Because mm. he's, he's another good tackle. So there's there's options, options for the Giants. I felt that it was just, I just felt it was a bad decision because I know you need you need some consistency there. But, I mean, it's just, 
I have no faith in Solder. He had a really bad season last year or two years ago. I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect of him. And if I'm a Giants fan, I need consistency on the line. I need it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, though, the Giants and, and Joe Judge seem to like this 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 rotating thing. You know, they like the rotation of pulling guys in and out of this offensive line. It seemed to work. I mean, still got Matt Part. I mean, yes, no, he's good. But I mean, Hernandez isn't. Not full on him. Yeah, Hernandez so, I mean, doesn't I, impress just, you. I know that. Obviously, <laughs> I need I need consistency, and that's what this team needs, and they need to improve. And I just think that Leonard Williams. He should be back. But if he's not, well, that'll stink. But I just hope that the Giants make smart decisions. And Kenny Galladay is another guy I would find if I was the Giants. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you go, you go and shopping in the uh, the Cadillac aisle there, he's Kevin. A, he's a stud, though. Yeah, if, I know he is. If you can if you can get him, do it. Yeah, I know it's going to be tough with the cap situation, but... Yeah, that, that's pretty... I don't want to say tough, Kevin. I, I almost want to say that's that's impossible. I would... Almost want to tell you that the Giants need to hit on a wide receiver in the draft. Uh, oh, they've got a better chance of that than than, than hitting uh, Kenny Galladay. Absolutely. And real quick for the Jets, yeah. I, I don't know. I was thinking about Cam Hayward. He was, I was or Casey Hayward. He got released that day. I was like, he'd be a good fit for the Jets because that that secondary could use a boost. Yeah, He's I know. The guy mm-hmm. that I was like, if he can go to the Jets, I'd take it. Yeah, I don't and, know why, but he came in my mind with the Jets. I was like. Yeah, they could use a guy like him. Well, we'll see what happens, Kevin. And, and thanks for the call. I always appreciate thanks, it, Coach. Kevin. I appreciate it. You know, it's interesting. I think the Giants are going to have to to build out via the draft. Um, I think that's pretty obvious, especially with their, you know, it, keeping their cap situation, you know, in mind. Galladay on the Giants, I don't, I don't know how that happens. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Unless Dave Gettleman is – Middle name is Houdini, like Dave Houdini Gettleman. I, I don't see it. I can't. I, I don't know how it happens. Logically. You know, I'm looking at it logically, objectively, looking at the guys on there. You know, another, I'd hate to say it, Jabril Peppers. I don't know what they're going to do with him. I think he's a really big question mark uh, in terms of the cap. Obviously, he's a good player. I don't know. That's something to watch this week. And also, and as far as the Jets, the Jets are in a different situation. It's just like the Knicks and the Nets are too different. The Giants and the Jets are going to be two different, uh, you know, approaches this offseason. Giants, the cost-effective way going through the draft, of course. And the Jets, um, the Jets are more like the Mets this offseason where they've got a ton of cash to spend and uh, and a lot of options. And it's not so straightforward with the Jets. There's a lot of things that they could do. And how about Galladay in a Jets uniform? Or even... I thought that I think that would be amazing, or even a Juju Smith-Schuster in a Jets uniform. I've been saying it. I'd like to see it. We'll see what happens though with Big Ben being back there. They might be a championship chasing. I don't know. They might. I don't know. I don't know the situation there, but Smith-Schuster for the Jets. I like it. I do like it. Let's go to Deer Park, Justin. You are batting second tonight. What's up? Hi, Daniel. Before we get to my point, I have two questions for you. Okay. Well, I. Is um Peppers, Luis Peppers, is he a free agent this year or no? I think this might be the last year in his deal. Let me check it up real quick, just to be yeah. sure. Just out of curiosity, just from what you were just talking about. Wait, you're talking, wait, Jabril or Julius? Jabril, I'm Jabril. sorry. Oh, that's okay. Uh, yeah, at, at the end of this year, he is a free agent, yes. All right, so they got some time to figure things out with him. You would think, unless he becomes a cap casualty. We'll see. Yeah, so... 
And I can see also maybe Giant definitely maybe getting um, Curtis Samuel from Carolina, as Gettleman has ties to them. Mm-hmm. And I definitely agree with Giants. You just need to get a wide receiver from the draft. Yeah, it's just a question of who's going to be there at that time. Well, we you know we don't know. We you know, it's just we don't know how the cor- the quarterback carousel is going to finally settle or at least slow down. It's so hard. It's like throwing darts at a wall blindfolded right now to try and you know say the Giants are going to be locked in on this guy or this guy is going to be available because the teams ahead of them in the draft. We don't. We still don't know what they're going to be doing in terms of their quarterback. A lot of those teams. So it's Same. it's something it's to watch. It's going to be an interesting draft. Yeah, for sure. All right, this is my main point. Yes. What is your your take on with the, with the way baseball is want to decrease the number of homers with with the, with, with changing the baseball? Ooh, that is a great question. Because I've done a lot of research on this, Justin. I'm going to hang up so you can hear the answer here. Yeah, right. Thank you, Daniel. Okay, I'll cool. Talk to you next Thanks week. for the call. I'll talk to you next week. Uh, yeah, that is, uh, I, I totally nerded, nerded out. Like, I'm about to go nerd alert territory on you guys. So, it's true. They're deadening the baseballs for 2021. It's true. Um, You know, as crazy as he is, I interviewed Lenny Dykstra in December of 2017. He told me the balls were juiced at that point. No one really believed him. I didn't really totally believe him, and it turns out that he's true. It's true. So the, for this year, they're kind of going away from that, and uh, they're deadening the baseballs. I don't know how I feel about this. Um, I just – how do I say this? Do I really want to go real nerd alert on this, uh, on you guys, the science behind it and things like that? I don't know. I just think that for a team like, I think of like the New York perspective here, how it could be positive, right? How it could be positive. It could potentially turn line drive home runs into more doubles and triples. It creates more traffic on the base paths, more exciting, right? And then, listen, the guys that crush home runs, they're still going to continue to crush home runs. But we have to think about the guys that are in need of some help in terms of launch angle, you know, et cetera, to, to hit those home runs. And the science behind it is a, is about one to two feet is going to be shaved off their, the deep fly ball. So maybe it would incentivize those guys, those borderline home run sort of guys, to kind of just have to put the ball in play rather than swing for the fences because they're going to be making fly ball outs. Maybe it's negative, though. What if the hitters don't adjust? What if they still swing for the fences regardless of the science? Like I just said, there's going to be a lot more fly ball outs. It's kind of boring. At least the home runs are exciting, So, and that's a, an argument to keep the ball. I, you know what? I, I also want to say, like, as a pitcher, pitchers might be emboldened to not have to be so masterful in painting the corners knowing that the ball won't be flying out of the park. Maybe it can lead to even more strikeouts, which is something that baseball does not need. I don't know. Um, you know, my mindset, though, is that baseball needs to get away from that home run strikeout disaster that it has created. The game is much more exciting with runners on base when bases are being stolen. In my opinion, anyway, um, when bases are being uh, runners are being moved into scoring position by a batter, when a bunt is deployed, 
And when hitters can beat that damn shift. So I don't know. You could agree with me on this, on this or you could fundamentally disagree with on, on this. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. You know, they're doing it and that's it. So we just kind of have to adjust, right? And one of the pitchers, I forget who it was, was asked, I think uh, I think it was Stroman. Marcus Stroman was asked about the new balls, and he said basically, like, doesn't matter to me, man. So, I don't know. And also, too, there's the news that, you know, in terms of that, I, that five teams are adding humidors to their ballparks. And as far as I know, they still haven't said which five teams, but five already do. And the Mariners are our team, the Mets, the Red Sox, the Rockies, and the Diamondbacks. And I, and I know the Diamondbacks, they talked about it on the, on the stadium tour when I went to Chase Field. They, they talked about it. Um, the guide actually said it during the tour. He explained that it was initially done in ballparks like in Denver, which is the Rockies, and in Phoenix, where the ball flew farther than a normal ballpark due to the, you know, the altitude, the low humidity, it was you couldn't see it on the tour though. They weren't taking us there, and I forget why not. I wanted to see it, but according to an analyst that the Athletic consulted, home run rates dropped by nearly twenty percent once those balls were stored in a way that better retained their humidity. So, who are the new five teams? If there is such a drop off, which I think we can agree that a twenty. Uh, percent reduction in home run rate is a huge drop-off. Why are only a third of the teams using them, and why not every team? Who decides if a team is going to install them or not? Is it the team? Is it the league? Is it an application process? Because I'm asking that because what if a team has a particularly strong class of pitchers at any given juncture, and they want to utilize that 20% minimum in its installation and use? Or, conversely, what if a team has a particularly strong class of hitters at any given juncture and they don't want to utilize the humidor or not to use it anymore? Can they uninstall it to be a better fit for their team? Does it the team need approval for that? I don't know. So there's a lot of question marks. It is what it is. It, you know, are you for or against it? I don't know. We'll have to just wait and see what happens this season. That's that's what I'm saying here. So uh, we'll take more of your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. If you guys wanted to continue down that nerd alert uh, rabbit hole with me, we can talk more about that. We can talk the physics behind baseballs flying out of the park, too. We could do that. I could teach you about some physics tonight, too, although I teach Italian in my day job. <laughs> uh, so get aboard. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Danielle McCartan. But I do want to say one thing, though. They, I, I thought this was my building, and I feel terrible that I'm getting stopped, accosted, asking for passes. I, everybody in this building should know who the hell I am. And I'm getting stopped. I can't move around this building. Like I, I, I was like, what the hell? Is this Madison Square Garden? I'm going to have to call Mr. Dolan and say, Jesus. Is my number in the rafters or what? Yeah, six feet eleven, six six feet eleven inches tall. First round draft pick in nineteen eighty five. I mean, just a superstar basketball player. So much so that yeah, his number is retired in the in the rafters at the Garden. No other Nick will wear number thirty three because of Patrick Ewing. I mean, 
do the, what sounds to me like numerous security guards live under a rock? MSG issued a statement. Jim Dolan and Patrick have a long-standing relationship. They spoke this afternoon and reaffirmed that. We all know, respect, and appreciate what he means to the Garden in New York. I have a story about Patrick Ewing. One time, my mom, my dad, my brother, and I, we were shopping at the Best Buy in the Fashion Center in Paramus, New Jersey. I had to be about high school, maybe senior year of high school. We walked down, if you know it, you know it. We walked down the main aisle to get to wherever we were going. We, I looked to the left, and I saw the back of this gigantic man with presumably, I think it was his daughter. They were looking at the laptops. They were in the laptop section. And let me tell you something. The height of this guy stopped me literally in my tracks. I saw the back of him. You know where they keep, like, the extra products, like, stacked on the shelf above what they're displaying? You know what I'm talking about? The top of this guy's head went to the the height of that shelf. My family kept walking, and I didn't want to look like a creep, but I knew he was somebody. I saw the back of him again. Turns out we ran into this guy again on our way out. It was extremely fast, and there was no window to really ask for a photo, obviously, but we all shook hands with Patrick Ewing, Nick's legend, right there in the doorway of the Best Buy at the Fashion Center in Paramus. It was so cool. So now, like, you know, when these ki- ki- you know, kids see teachers outside of the classroom at, like, you know, a store or something, it's weird because they aren't in their, like, usual surroundings. That's a psychological concept. But we were able to recognize Patrick Ewing at a Best Buy, which is a far from seeing him as the head coach of a team that was playing in Madison Square Garden when he was stopped. He's supposed to be there. It's just a really terrible look. And, you know... It's a shame. It's not the first time there's been an issue at the Garden. Remember the thing with Charles Oakley? And then Spike Lee had his own issues with security. He's allegedly said that he has refused to come back to Madison Square Garden. We will see in this post-pandemic world, but just not a good look. But if, if my family was able to recognize Patrick Ewing in a Best Buy, you know, and he wasn't supposed to, you're not expecting him to be there, clearly, then why wasn't he recognized as the head coach of the Georgetown basketball team at Madison Square Garden, who was playing that night uh, or whatever, whatever night, the next night. I don't know. Just a bad look for me. I don't know. Let's go to Vernon in Manhattan. You are on the fan, Vernon. Hey, Daniel. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Before I go to Patrick you, you know, I'll give you a baseball quiz question. Okay, okay. And here it is. All right. In, In 1986, when the Mets won the World Series... I was actually at the parade in City Hall myself to, to see the, to the event. Which one of the superstar players of the 1986 World Series was not in the parade? Hmm. Um, partying habits, Dwight Gooden. You got it. That is yeah. correct. Yeah, was that the reason you know why? Yeah, he was on that party, and he was. Uh, I prefer not to say. Oh, okay. I might have to Google that then. <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't there. You are correct. Yes. <laughs> huh. I have to Google that. You know, I, I interviewed uh, Doc Gooden once, Vernon. He was uh, he was a really good interview. Actually, he was very honest. I, you know, I'll, you know what? I'll tweet it on the break, and I'll, and I'll put it on uh, Facebook. Sure. I met um, 
saw Dwight Gooden about three or four times. We talked on the phone one time. Um, I met Daryl Strawberry quite a few times mm-hmm. and met Rusty Starr before he passed away. So I had pictures taken with all of them. So uh, at City Field. Uh, anyway, yeah. let's go to Patrick Ewing. Um, oh, before I, I, I mentioned about Patrick Ewing, I forgot to tell you, um, to try to get you the tickets, your tickets do allow you to go into three different clubs. And uh, most likely those clubs are going to be closed because of the pandemic. So mm. I just want you to know that, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was going to ask you about that, but... I'll email you because I wanted to know how it turned out with your your smartphone, your non-smartphone. Your uh... no, I'm still on the flip phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll email you about that though. All right, Vernon, your Patrick Ewing point. Go ahead. Well, Patrick Ewing, um, the thing is with him, this like you said, he's tall. I could see maybe one person actually happened to him where they did they didn't know who he was. But this happened several times in mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. His photos are all over the garden. Mm-hmm. His 33 is hanging from the rafter. And this is the other thing. The act stands on seven feet tall, and you can't tell me who, you don't know who that is? Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on that? I, I, I tell you, I recognize him. We recognize him in a Best Buy in Paramus. There's no reason why he should not have been recognized at the garden with his team playing at the garden. <laughs> I'm going to tell you now a little secret. This happened also to Dwight Gooden. And the reason, yeah, the reason why I'm revealing the secret to you, because it's safe now to say it. Um, I have strong ties with security. Um, but some of the vendors that work there, sometimes they give me free food when I come by. Yeah. And I do get I do get pictures taken a lot with fans. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot reveal to you. Who I am. Okay. Well, <laughs> well anyway, um, uh, security guard. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I usually hang out with some of the security guards when it gets close to the end of the game to get on the train. So uh, a friend of mine has told me that um, it happened with Dwight Gooden. He said <laughs> Dwight Gooden was coming into City Field. He had some people with him. So he got, he got to the gate to come in. The security guards wouldn't let him in because he didn't have a ticket. And he was standing there bewildered. <laughs> and all the way in the background, you can hear the supervisor, one of the security people yelling, Let him in! Let him in! What are y'all doing? Let him in! <laughs> <laughs> so he told me about it. And uh, he was kind of bewildered and shocked. Yeah, I feel like uh, that should be like a, a requirement for all security guards, especially on like the VIP entrances and stuff. Like you should have to study and know. All of the main players, you know, that used to be on that team. That's what I feel. I don't know. No, what you're suggesting is true because basically one of the guys who called in on the radio earlier this week said, you need to understand and teach the security guards who's coming there. Mm-hmm. So they know. If you don't teach them, they're not going to know. It could cause problems uh, with them. So, and that event, it happened to me twice when I went to Madison Square Garden. I had seats on the floor in the chairs. In other words, there was no one in front of me but the players. And twice I was asked, can I see your ticket? And I just showed you my ticket. You know, I want to see the ticket again. I'm the ticket. All right, you good. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I always like to make eye contact with the, the, the usher. You know, I'll be right back. I'm just going to get some food so that I don't have to, like, take my ticket out again. Like, they'll, rec- they'll remember me from, like, ten minutes ago. <laughs> well, Daniel, this is what led to me. I went and bought all these plastic holders punched them with holes in it, 
and I put a metal piece around the, the ticket holder and put it around my neck. Okay. That's why I can't lose a ticket. If people see me with a ticket, I'm not going to have any problems. Daniel, it was nice talking to you. Someday I'll reveal to you who I am. Oh, no, I'm curious. Nice <laughs> Bye, Vernon. Um, you know, my cousin, and that's a good trick too, but my cousin also, what he does is he puts, he taught me this trick, the ticket stub in his hat, like in the, not the brim, but like where your forehead goes in the hat, you know what I'm saying? Like he tucks it into, and and I've been doing that actually. It's a pretty good idea. You can never lose it. And then you just take, you know, you tip your hat and you say, there it is, the ticket, there it is. It works like that. All right, let's keep this moving. Robbie in Lennox, you're on the fan. What's up? Well, Danielle, it's really nice to talk to you. It's the first time talking to you. So All right. I've been calling the station since I'm, what, 22, and I'll be 56 next year. And uh, I heard you talking about a couple of things I wanted Welcome to address. Welcome to the show, well, First Robbie. of all, thank you so much, and congratulations, and uh, continued success. Thank you. Um, I was going to say, First of all, I'm really happy about my Rangers winning a game. I think it was the most complete 60 minutes they played all year. So that's my, my favorite team. I grew up in, in Port Chester, Ryburg, New York, and I went to practices as a kid and diehard Ranger fan. But anyway, mm-hmm. a couple things about baseball. Yeah. I am really tired of them changing baseball. Can they just leave baseball alone? And can we bring speed back? I agree with everything you said. I mean, like I said, I'm going to be 56. I'm an old-time baseball guy. I'm tired of analytics, and I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I went to games my whole life. My dad's office was in the Bronx, and mm-hmm. when my whole life spent, the Yankee Stadium. Can they? Can the Yankees please learn how to be a good situational hitting mm-hmm. team? And I love the fact that Aaron Hicks bunted the ball up the line. Loved I've been it. screaming at this guy <laughs> for as many years as he's been there, yeah, Danielle. I know. Bunt the ball. I, I mean, know. it drives me crazy because Aaron Hicks has a high on base percentage. And here's what my question is to you about mm-hmm. the Yankees. And also, I want to ask you something about the Giants sure, real quick. Sure. Okay. I've been saying for a few years that DJ LeMayu is the best hitter on this team and he needs to be batting second or third. They need a guy with speed that can go first to third. Aaron Hicks, if he could just raise his average, even 30 points, 20 points, and get to about the 250 level, 255, with his on-base percentage and his ability to steal bases, there's a guy that can give you that manufacturing type of run that you need. This team is a poor situational hitting team. That's their problem. Yes. And the thing is, Brian Cashman has brought a lot of question marks in this year with Kluber and Ty, and I understand that. But I am about developing young arms. Look, Sevy can come back. You've got King, and, and they're high on Schmidt, and, and obviously Davi Garcia. So I'm glad that they have some young guys in the rotation. I think that's good. But I just want to see them become a better situational hitting team. So, And about the Giants, yeah. where and, and are wait, they Rob, stuck with Robbie, Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I totally, absolutely agree with you on that. Yeah. I do not right. think that DJ LeMay, who should be batting first, I, I don't like it. Thank you. I don't like it. But the, the, the thinking is the analytics yeah. say right. that, you know, that your best hitter should be you know, at the top of the order because it generates the most, you know, at bats for that hitter. Speed, but if he has speed, I know. that's not the thing. I know. It's so dumb, Danielle. It's I so know. dumb. It's I know. Big... Hicks, you put him at, you know, put him up at first. He, he bunts against the shift, and then he can run, like he said, he could steal the base, or he can run first Absolutely. to third on a, on a on a gapper, maybe even score. Who knows? So, yeah, I'm with you. I don't like DJ LeMahieu batting first, and he is my favorite player on that team. Uh, I'd yep. rather see him in, in the two spot. And then I would put probably, I'd have to look at it, but – or maybe even a Clint Fraser at the top of the order. Who knows? He's got I'd some love speed to too. See that. You know? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I talked about that last yeah. week. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. Finish what you're saying. No, no. That's it. Go ahead. Giants. Yeah. And about the Giants, you know, it's, I just don't understand something. Wait. Where are they stuck on the cap? I, I, I understand about Nate Solar and the cancer and his son. I remember reading that a, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think he played very well for the Patriots when he played. But <laughs> my problem is, where's the, where's the cap space problem? I know they signed Shep to a pretty good, good long-term deal. I know they have other uh, guys. I'm trying to think, like, who's stuck right now?
now with all the money that the Giants can't go out and get, you know, a, a kid from Detroit or go out and get a sign. Uh, there's not many edge rushers. I don't see them going out and getting Shaq. So who's in the draft that they can take as an edge rusher? Because I don't see a lot of edge rushers in this draft. So I was going to get your comments on that. So. Yeah, and Robbie, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And go it. St. John's. Thanks, bro. Yeah, thanks, let's, let's go St. John's. All right. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Bye. So, sorry. Um, so, he, the the question's a good one, and and I think that's a really a really good question. Is where is the money for the Giants, and why are they so cash strapped? You know, um, I'm looking at, and and I like the, the website Spot Track. I'm looking at it right this second, and just that the breakdown of the Giants' 2021 salary cap looks like, you know, who who's drawing the most money? Because it certainly isn't the quarterback. Uh, Leonard Williams is drawing 10.43 to be precise percent of the cap. So they're going to have to look to restructure that $19 million deal, which is what he's making right this second. Um, not restructure, I'm saying. Uh, sign him long-term. My bad. So they might want to sign him long-term to spread the money out. Or maybe secretly they're hoping that someone goes and, and signs him because he could still field free agent offers, according to the Giants' website. So, And at that point, they're going to get two first-round compensatory picks. Uh, so Leonard Williams is drawing the most cap space, uh, followed by James Bradbury, which... At 9.3% of cap space, uh, he's that's what he's drawing. You know, he's a good player. Then the third most cap draw is a Nate Solder. And that is without the restructuring of his contract. So that is a $16.5 million cap hit. We don't know. I haven't seen. And maybe you guys can Google it. You know, I'm doing a show here. But maybe uh, late breaking news, like real late breaking news overnight might be um, what his new contract is. I can't imagine that. So we're going to have to wait and see. Um, and then Blake Martinez, Sa- Saquon Barkley, so Sterling Shepard. You know, I don't know. It's just, it's it, and the rest of them are like 1%, under 1%. The key is that Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams is going to be the key cog to this whole thing. Because if they could uh, spread that $19 million, that's a lot. They could spread that out over, you know, the course of a long-term deal, then the, the the Giants might be back in business here. But I don't know. They they did say, uh, Dave Gettleman did say that he's he's looking to restructure some other deals as well, um, but he doesn't want to make a habit of it. Because think about it. That wouldn't be a, a destination for a free agent if, you know, the, the year after you sign or two years after you sign, they're going to have to, they're going to come back to you and say, hey, uh, can we restructure your deal? Can you take a cut? Uh, that wouldn't be too appetizing to free agents. So I, I get why he's saying that. So, um, yeah, that that's the answer to that question. So the top three cap draws for the Giants are Lennon Williams, James Bradbury, and Nate Solder right now, right at this second. That will change by the time I talk to you guys next week. Okay, so 877-337-6666 is the phone number. Uh, Giants are on the board. Jets are on the board. Yankees, Mets, Knicks, whatever you want to talk about. I, I'm good. I'm very versatile. I'm a versatile. It's the versatile time of year. Uh, I'm March 14th, Pi Day, we are at 4 a.m. here in New York City. Here is a Mike McCann update. Danielle Sports Radio 1019 FM, the fan, Welcome back at the top of the hour, 4.04. Yes, your time is right. The, your clock is right. It is 4.04 in the morning and on this daylight saving Sunday morning, March 14th, 2021. We've been talking a lot about the Giants and Jets, and I... I Weird, because I thought I was expecting more baseball tonight, but it's fine, obviously. So, um, the Jets are in a really good cap situation. 
The Giants are not in that really good cap situation. And Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes are two guys that have figured it out. You know, obviously the quarterback draws the uh, the, the the main – they're usually the main cap draw, not in the Jets and Giants situation. But, you know, I mentioned it a long time ago on here, when I first started on here. Not a long time ago, but you know what I mean. One of my first couple shows on here, I guess it was. The real MVP in Tom Brady's life and, and any team he plays on, the real MVP is his wife, supermodel Giselle. And I'll tell you why. She's by the way, she's not in the doesn't she doesn't need a last name. She's in that category. You know, Madonna, Giselle, Seal, those kind of people. Tom Brady's net worth, $250 million. A lot. I know. Giselle's net worth, $400 million. Because Giselle is worth so much. And because Tom has enjoyed a long, lengthy, rich career, he can now solely focus on winning. This week, or a couple days ago, he posted a photo on Instagram of him signing a new contract with the caption, in pursuit of eight, we keep in the band together, or we're keeping the band together. Now, the cap hit on his salary is lowered by $19.3 million. And he's done it before where he's restructured his contract to, to benefit the team, meaning he takes less money in his pocket so that the team can spread it around to afford the talent around him. I'm sure the union hates it, but it is what it is. And he could do that because his wife is the real MVP, the real breadwinner. And in an era in which all the athletes are trying to earn as much as individually possible and good for them because it doesn't last forever, it can be over in an instant actually, this certainly isn't the norm. The Patrick Mahomes one is interesting to me because he's engaged to Brittany Matthews, right? Her net worth is only, air quotes there, only $1 million, which is nowhere near Giselle money. But Mahomes is doing the same thing. He's expected to convert his $22 million roster bonus into a signing bonus, which would then save the Kansas City Chiefs $17 million against the cap. Again, a guy that wants to win. Getting creative. I don't know. It's just interesting to me that the, the two and the, the two Super Bowl quarterbacks are restructuring their deals so that they could bolster the talent around them. I don't know. Just an interesting concept to me. Let's go to back to the phones. 877-337-6666. Dominic in Brooklyn. You're on the fan. What's up? Uh oh, Dominic, we got some some feedback coming back. All right, well, going to hang up on him. I don't want to hear myself back. Dominic? You're gone, Dominic. Let's go to Gary in Freehold, New Jersey. You're up on the fan. Good morning, Coach. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. I'm sorry to change the sub back to the subject oh, that's okay. about baseball. Oh, you know what, Gary? This is this time of year where we can do that. Go ahead. <laughs> Tell me. What do you have? Thanks. Coach, I'm, the biggest thing with me is it's, it's the shift. Get the shift out of there. It's just ruined baseball. I I almost think, Coach, it's almost like cheating. Get the shift out of it. I'm 53 now. (laughs) And when we were younger, Tony Gwynn and this guy, and that guy slapping the ball around. It was fun to watch baseball. It was exciting. You had guys running around the bases. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's changed so much. You got to do the shift thing. And also, I'm sorry, my second point, and then I'll leave you, and then I'll let you uh, reflect on stuff. Good. I'm a chef for a long time. I used to go into by Nick and Steph's on, uh, into the garden mm-hmm. to do uh, catering all the time. 
you cannot walk into the garden without Patrick Ewing, without huge credentials around your neck. And even if they don't know you for 30 years, that they don't recognize the credential. Did he not have his credentials on? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. you, I you don't, I know he's like seven foot tall, but when I went in to do for little parties for Madonna, Rihanna, this one, the Eagles, you know, specialized little catering parties, mm-hmm. I, ha- I had to be wrapped up in credentials. And this is like 10, 15 years ago. So I'm, I'm very surprised that, uh, it's like he's been, uh, you know, with COVID and everything, you got to have credentials. So they look at you and say, okay, go, you know? You know, anyway. Yeah. All right. Two two really good points there, Gary. And I'm going to hang up on you so you can listen to, to the reflection okay. part here. Thanks, but... Coach. I'm going to hang up. Okay, cool. Thank you for everything. You're oh. awesome. Oh, thank you. I'll talk to you next week, Gary, okay? Okay. So, yes, uh, he, he brought up two good points. The shift has ruined baseball. Uh, I'm going to go with agree on that. I, I hate the shift. I, I think you guys can figure that out without me even just saying it. The shift is horrible. Um, it takes away action from the game. If... You, as a hitter, if you, as a hitter, um, I don't know, if they shift against you, right, and, and, and you want to get on base, why don't you learn to take the, the, more likely it's the outside pitch to the opposite field? Why, why don't you just learn how to do that? And, and if you can't teach yourself how to do that, why don't you take a page out of Aaron, Aaron Hicks's uh, book today? The entire left side of the field was open. And what does he do? He lays down a sneaky tack bunt. And what does he do? He gets an infield single out of it. It's not that hard. It's, it's really, it's, it's not that hard. And yeah, okay, you get a player on here that says, oh, it's real difficult. The, the pitchers are expecting it. The pitchers are not expecting it. They are not pitching around your bunt. I'm telling you. But what it does then, just that one time, one attempt even, even if it went foul, because it was close, but even if it went foul, at least it's in the back of the minds of the hitters, I mean of the fielders and of the pitchers and of the catchers calling the game that, hey, there is a chance that this guy could lay down a bunt on this wide open left side of the field. Uh, let's let's play him straight up. And as a hitter, that's what you're working towards. You're working towards freeing up the rest of the field. So um, I would be behind banning the shift altogether, although I'm not sure if that um, that's, you know, on the table, so to speak. I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I like small ball, you know, and I know home runs are exciting. Don't get me wrong. Home runs are, are so exciting. But when it's either home run or strikeout, it's, it's hard to watch, especially in the late innings. It's hard to watch. But I think the ultimate problem that baseball has, even for like, like devoted fans like me, right? I'll watch anything. I've been to the stadiums. I, I've seen almost every team in their home stadium so far. I, I'll watch any any sort of baseball game on TV. I had the Rockies game on the other, you know, whatever day that was. I, I, I enjoy watching it. But where they lose me is like the sixth, seventh, eighth inning where it's the pitching changes followed by a commercial, followed by three batters, and then followed by another round of commercials. And the continuity of the game is just absolutely ruined at that point. It's hard to stay in the game at that point especially when I've got a second screen right in my hand and most of the time a third screen in my laptop open as well. So they, we talked about this a while ago. MLB needs to maximize, at, especially at that point, in that juncture in the game, maximize the second screen, maximize the third screen, the tertiary screen um, for, the, for the viewer. Because I think I have a pretty good attention span and it, they lose me. They do lose me at that point. 
Okay, Tony in Providence, you're on the fan. Hey, Daniel and Coach, always doing a great job. Oh, thank you. Excellent. Right on about the baseball. We agree 100%. Um, couple things. Tiger Ewing live for Georgetown, old school, Big East. I saw him play. Yep. Um, so, you know, made a lot of memories. So, I'm very happy for Georgetown. I'm glad they won. And uh, I'm, I'm, I haven't talked about the Islanders, but I'm very glad they're hot. Obviously, I know Lou. He's a Providence guy. I know him very well. And I'm uh, very happy for the New York Islanders. Very hot right now. They're doing well. I know they lost last year in the playoffs. They went far, but this year they're hot again. So. Yeah. And uh, obviously, it's sad news about Marvin Hagler. Uh, going too soon. Great competitor. Left-handed boxer. I'm going to be Duran Duran. Roberto Duran and Thomas Hearns. Great wins. And Sugar Ray Leonard. I mean, that was in 87. I remember that Roberto Duran and Thomas Hearns. Great wins. Great wins for him. Yeah, rest in peace to him. Yeah, very sad. And uh, in football, big week this week, obviously. We're going to see what happens. And uh, you mentioned Tom Brady and... Uh, Patriots fans up here are very upset with Tim Newton coming back. You should hear him. Um, I can't believe that he's coming back. You know, I My couldn't believe it either. I, I, you know, speaking from a Jets perspective, I'm like, yes, at least the Jets, ha- you know, I know the Buffalo Bills have a stranglehold on, on the AFC East, but at least the Patriots have less of a chance, because I don't believe in Cam Newton, and, and the Patriots have less of a chance to lock up a, a wild card spot. So that's more of an opportunity for the Jets. I, I, I loved the news. Right. You know, obviously in the Bills and uh, not being the Dolphins, uh, those teams uh, are very good. And, and that these division is very competitive, I think. And um, I keep telling you, the highway of the year is going to be Brady coming back to Foxborough in the fall. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. Oh, that's going to be game of the year. I would think so. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Ben, I think he was, he uh, did his contract, too. You mentioned yes. Brady. And, yes. Um, I know Mahomes did. But I think uh, Ben, I think, uh, took a little pay cut. Yeah, he did. Because he knows players have to come back. Yep. You know? So these guys know it, and they get it, and I appreciate that. Because um, not many competitors um, uh, are willing to do that, take the cut, cut so you can keep the players, and that's how you win. And you're right, Gazelle has all the money. Brady just wants to do it because he loves football. He eats and sleeps all the time football. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You can tell that, and they, they're going to be the favorite. I, I still think uh, they're going to be the favorite um, to knock them off. It's going to be very tough. Kansas City will be there, but other teams on the AFC are going to want to beat Kansas City. I'm sorry. Yep. Not, not they can watch the tape and know how to do it because um, Tampa Bay did it. You know? Yep, and the tape's out on Patrick Mahomes, especially with his two offensive linemen hitting the road. That's right. interesting. That is interesting. So we think there'll be a lot of um, big news this week uh, in the NFL, right? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure, Tony. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's uh, you know, uh, up and through the 17th, March 17th, there's going to be a flurry of activity still. So lots to take notes on. And we'll talk next week once the dust has settled about our Jets right, and Giants. Right, I want to talk to you next week and follow up with you. Yeah. You always do an outstanding job. You oh. and your producer and everyone there, all right? Nick, Nick is giving you a head nod. Thanks, Tony. We, we appreciate it. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> There he is. Yeah, have a good night, buddy. My birthday was good on Thursday, and so I'm getting you know, lots of family and friends, and looking forward to another great year. Right. And football is my favorite, as you can tell, but I like all sports, but football is my favorite. Tony, thanks for the call. We'll talk next week and catch up on, on the Jets and the Giants. And, and, and just go, going back to one thing that, that the other caller had before I forgot to mention, um, the Patrick Ewing thing about the credentials. I wrote it down, and I forgot to go back to it, but my, my guess is this, like, yeah, I've gone to the, the Garden, too. You know, you need 
metal de- you go through a metal detector, ID, are you on the list, is it spelled right, the whole thing, right? I, I get it, I do. But, okay, I don't know how to say this. Like, I, I, Patrick Ewing, if he ever came up to me, I would assume that he, if I didn't know who he was, I would assume he's some sort of player because he's seven feet tall, okay? But besides the fact, he was probably decked out in all kinds of Georgetown gear. And he was, I don't know if he was walking alone. I don't know the situation, but um, probably decked out in Georgetown gear. If you're, if you're a security guard, you know that Georgetown's going to be going to be playing there that night. You know, you ask the question, like, excuse me, um, even if you don't know, who are you? Patrick Ewing. Uh, what is your responsibility here? Uh, I'm the head coach of the Georgetown basketball team. Okay, let me just pull up Google, and then, all right, let me look. Yeah, okay, checks out, good to go. Yeah, like, that's that's how I would have handled it, you know? And, yeah, I guess it's COVID protocols, possibly. But, again, he's the head coach. He's not just going to a Knicks game. He's the head coach of the team that was playing in the arena. Security needs to be alerted to that. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Can we get one more in? Mike in Blauvel. Let's go. You're on the fan. Oh, hi. Hi, Danielle. It's been a while. Um, nice being friends with you on LinkedIn and Twitter. Yeah, I'm not really on LinkedIn so much. I check it every but once Twitter, in a while, but, but Twitter, but yeah. You, but you, 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 you've comp- you um, got back to me every time. I want to thank you yeah, for that. Yeah, of course. And also, I want to mention about Cam Newton. About the, I think the Patriots made the right move. You know, all of the Patriots, they made the right move in signing him to a one-year deal because I really think that he'll have a full year, and I think that he'll... I think that'll flourish with Trent, the signing of Trent Brown, you know, reacquiring him. And there's a lot of free agent receivers on the market, you know what I'm saying, yeah. that the Patriots could get. I just don't believe in Cam Newton. I, I, just, I just don't believe in him. I don't know. Well, well yeah, I, but, I think, I, but I think it's going to be better this year. You know, the second time around is going to be better. I agree with and you. I'm going to make a point about the Astros. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the Astros, and I, like, I want to say that I think that uh, – you know, you talk about LeMayu batting first. Carlos Correa might be batting first. Did you hear that? Carlos Correa, yeah. You know, I, I don't. That's the same thing that with the DJ LeMayu thing, though. But he does have more speed, though. I'll give him that. But he's a little bit of a power hitter too. I, I don't like it. I like Altuve at the top of the order. There, come on. What are they doing? Yeah, I know, I know. And also, as far as the pitching, you look at the Yankees and Astros, and they also they have great hitting. But they're pitching. The Astros lost Fram um, Valdez, Framber. Um, you know, you know that main mm-hmm. guy that lefty last year. You do a hand injury, and uh, you know Verlander's not there. So there's going to be there's going to be some pitching issues there, as well as the Yankees. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, and, and Mike, thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, the Yankees are going to have some. I don't know if they're issues. I don't want to characterize them as issues just yet. I think the Yankees have a lot of question marks. I think Kluber has shown. That um, that he could be, you know, good. I think that Tyone has shown that he could be good, and I think the surprise of the season has really been Domingo Herman, the player. Okay, we've talked about it last week. We were talking about Domingo Herman, the player, not the human being on the show. There's no escaping it. Um, but he has been a really nice surprise uh, in, in this Yankees rotation. So. Uh, I would categorize it as uh, cautiously optimistic is what I would categorize that as. All right, we need to take a break here. 877-337-6666 is the number. You guys can get aboard, and uh, everything's on the table. You guys know that. And, um, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you guys after the break. 
This is John Sterling. When you're looking for Yankees baseball, it's right here on The Fan. And coming up today at 12.55, it's the Bombers and Toronto Blue Jays. And for your college hoop fans, stick around tonight at 6 for Selection Sunday when you'll find out the opening round seedings and matchups for March Madness. Listen on your smart speaker, mobile device, laptop, and tablet at WFAN.com. And on your radio at Sports Radio 1019 WFAN, WFAN FM, New York. Get that dirt off your shoulders. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here. That's my impression of, of Jay-Z. It's, this song goes hard, man. I love this song. Hey, I have a question for you Yankee fans out there. Can Luke Voigt do it again in a presumptive full season? Can he be the home run king in a full season? We're going to have to wait and see. But last season, in the shortened season, Luke Voigt was the first Yankee since Alex Rodriguez in 2007 to lead the majors in home runs. Speaking of Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez, after four years of being together and two years of engagement, they have called it quits. That's a question mark there. You know, that made me really sad, actually. I really love them together. It's like 1999 or 2000 all over again. I really liked it that they finally linked up. So why are we talking about it on a sports show? Well, one, it involves former New York Yankee and World Series champion Alex Rodriguez. And number two, the Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez ownership group, also including Vincent Viola, was my pick to purchase the Mets. I've told you here. You'd think that, you know, all these people when I tweeted it, they're like, oh, man, good thing they didn't buy the Mets, blah, blah. You would think, I mean, that they would keep it professional, right? I mean, really? They weren't married when they put the bid in, and it didn't seem to be a problem then, right? But this split would definitely, I think, put a strain on the ownership group, like the group in total and their functionality would have, I should say, and the whole functionality of the group. So the Mets, I guess, dodged two bullets this offseason, this and Trevor Bauer. Mets fans aren't really used to this good fortune, though, right? Then on Saturday morning, though, TMZ put out the report that said that it was totally blown out of proportion. Both J-Lo and A-Rod tell TMZ, all the reports are inaccurate. We are working through some things. TMZ was also told that what they're working through has nothing to do with a third party. So we'll see. Oh, I just like them together. And Jennifer Lopez, of course, a big sports fan, big Yankee fan, actually. Um, I actually saw, me and my dad saw her at a game one time, too. We were at a Mets-Yankees game at Shea Stadium. And... Uh, it was Mark Anthony that was singing the national anthem, and she was there, and she was wearing a Yankee hat, and he was wearing a Met hat, and that's where that meme came from with Alex Rodriguez taking a picture with all, all the both of them, all three of them all together in the same shot. It was like uh, the meme of like uh, the guy you're with and the guy you told you to worry about or something like that. I forget how it goes, but uh, yeah, I was there. That was the game, and I was there, and we had pretty good seats, actually. I mean, my dad for that. I don't know how. Um, but yeah, so we'll see about that. And uh, coming up uh, just in about 12 minutes or so, Brian Hoke from MLB.com, the Yankees reporter for MLB.com, is is going to be coming your way at 440, that is. So, I have about 442 or so. But, yeah, so excited about that. All right, let's go back to the calls. 877-337-6666. In the order that you guys called, Dave in West Babylon, you are on the fan. Hey, how you doing, Coach? I'll make it kind of quick. Uh, First off, happy happy, um, daylight savings 
Yes. Uh, it's always fun to have people think that they get an extra hour <laughs> at work because I work graveyard. Um, uh-huh. So I have a couple of uh, giants to change. First off, it makes absolutely no sense to me uh, with the praise of Evan Ingram. I'm trying to figure it out, and I know uh, mm-hmm. I know Gettleman uh, plays some games from time to time. Do you really think that they're playing? Maybe they're playing possum to, so that people will sleep on Kyle Pitts. I have no idea. I mean, they have bigger <laughs> they have bigger needs, but I'm just trying to figure out why they're why they're love for Evan Ingram. Maybe they're trying to give him confidence. I don't see it. I, personally, I don't see it. That's the first thing, and the second thing. Again, with Leonard Williams, um, I was hoping for a tag and trade, but you were mentioning if someone picks him up in free agency mm-hmm. that the Giants will get uh, two first-round draft picks. That sounds interesting to me. Um, how exactly would that work, and would a tag and trade be um, be also potentially on the table? Because I don't, you know, I, I that's a lot of money, and I honestly don't have that much faith in Leonard Williams either. I think he was playing for a contract last mm-hmm. year. So I'll uh, let you go and uh, hear your comments, and thanks thanks again for a great show. Yeah, of course, thanks. Dave. Uh, talk to you next yeah. week. Um, yeah, so, so okay, two things. I was writing, I was taking notes as he was talking. So Evan Ingram, uh, I think last year was totally about, you know, bringing in a new coaching staff and pumping them with confidence and, and seeing what happens. Um, and there was an uptick. There was an uptick in Evan Ingram's um, play, I guess you call it, right? Um, just in general. I don't know now. You know, they said that they're keeping him. They want to keep him, right? I, I, I think he's, what is he making, $6 million? Uh, I, I don't know if he's quite worth that $6 million. Maybe he's one of those ones that gets restructured. Then that would make me more, a little bit more amenable, to him being still on this team, uh, I think there's some – and from the beginning, I mean, I, I even asked him about it from the beginning. Like, you – you know, there's some questions about your blocking ability, you know. Like, he said he could he's, – he's working on it. Well, okay, he's still working on it, I guess. Um, and, and it's just that bad taste of dropping that ball in, in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, I guess I should say against the Philadelphia Eagles. It's just uh, – you know, it's 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 – I don't know. There's a lot of. If he were to restructure his deal and take less money, maybe he's one of the ones it would be more stomachable, more salvageable. But I just don't see a future of for Evan Ingram on this team. I just don't see it. And just maybe they're they're pumping him up so that they can deal him. I, who knows? I don't know. But they've said that they want him. I don't know. And as far as tag and trade on um, Leonard Williams, they've also said they want Leonard Williams back too. I. I the best case scenario for the Giants, as I said before, would be the fact that um, somebody swoops in and gets him in free agency, and then the Giants are left with two first-round compensatory draft picks because of that. I think that would be best case scenario for the Giants um, because of their cap situation and because guess who's owed a contract very soon? Saquon Barkley, right? And what are they going to do with him? So get Williams off the books but and get something for him. I would say that would be my suggestion. I know he had 11 and a half sacks last season. I know. But that was a career year. And like he said, maybe he was playing for a contract. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? I don't know. But again, the season hasn't started. Practices haven't started. Who knows what these players are going to look like coming off of of this past season. We're going to just have to wait and see. But those were my recommendations moving forward. Right now, you know, that could change. But right now, March 13th, that's what I would do if I were GM or the Giants.
Okay, let's go to Graham in New Jersey. You're on the fan, Graham. Hey, Danielle. Good to talk to you. Yeah, of course. What's up? Um, not much. Um, I, w- I, w- I was just looking, and I, and I didn't even realize that uh, baseball kept the uh, runner on second into extra innings rule for this year. And yes, something I are. really just don't something I don't understand is, and they never did it last year. If you're the away team and you don't score a run and go ahead, obviously that runner on second for the home team is the only run that matters. Mm-hmm. Why is not every manager in baseball walking the first guy up and having first and second? Then if you bunt him over, mm-hmm. who cares? Take the out, walk the next guy, load the bases. They get a fly ball. Move a runner to third. You've got a double play ball, you know, in play. But why is, has nobody thought of this? Why has nobody done that? Uh, it's a good question, and it's good situationally as you know, as a defensive. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it's a good. It's a good theory. I, I I would do the same thing. I just don't know. That's like a lot. That's a string of things that have to happen in succession perfectly. You know what I'm saying? I mean, not necessarily. Like, you know, if you're the away team, you don't score. Runners on second. Walk the guy. That's it. The runner on first doesn't matter. <sighs> yes, right. I'm with you on that. But then, then you have to ha- hope for a fly ball or like, you know, like like you were saying, you, you outlined it. I understand the whole situation, the whole scenario there. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I wish I had a better answer for that, Graham. Um, but yeah, they're sticking with it, and it's uh, and, and thanks for the call there. They're sticking with it. The second, the runner on second to start the extra innings. Uh, it's a good question. Why wouldn't you walk the guy? Well, and then I also, it, I guess it depends on who the batter is too. Like you know, if you think this is a guy you like the matchup, you think you can go after him, then then you go after him. You know, or um, I don't know, but. Walking the guy, of course, would, would set up a force at third, first, second, and third. I'll go, I'll go that way. Um, I don't know why more people aren't doing it because that, of course, would be the, a walk off at that point in time. I don't know. Uh, let's go quickly to Eric. In oh, I don't know if we can do this. Uh, hey, Eric, can we do it? Okay, we're gonna do Eric after the break. Okay, so uh, yeah, so coming up right now, we've got uh, Brian Hoke. From MLB.com, Yankees reporter. We're going to talk all things New York Yankees with him uh, with a focus on uh, my biggest question mark for the Yankees was was the pitching. We'll talk starting pitching, relief pitching, and if we can get some some bench questions in and, and some, some fielding questions in, we, we'll ask him as well. So stay tuned. Brian Hoke, MLB.com, uh, coming up next on The Fan. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight on the Fan. We are here with Brian Hope, longtime New York Yankees beat reporter for MLB.com. Brian, thank you for joining us tonight. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Good to be on with you, Danielle. We are all jealous that you were there in Tampa. So I kind of <laughs> wanted to get your insider perspective here. You've got a different perspectives in the games that we could see on TV. And there's some games that we can't catch on TV. So complete the sentence for me. This player had a surprisingly good spring so far. Gary Sanchez, I guess. I I think we've all had so many questions about who is the real Gary Sanchez and how does he bounce back from that really rough season last year. 
you know, he's coming to camp really looking sharp. He looked like, you know, the Gary Sanchez of old. And I've, I've been very impressed with kind of the work ethic and everything that he's done for the Yankees this, you know, this spring. I think that he's come in really sharp and ready to go. And uh, so I think that Gary is the one that has really impressed me. I, I agree with you. And now the next one, the other side, the flip side of this is this player has had an underwhelming spring so far. Um. Hmm. You know, it's tough to say because I haven't really noticed too many underwhelming performances. I guess Albert Abreu is a guy who the Yankees were high on coming into camp. And, uh, you know, he, he had a shot at the bullpen and he struggled a little bit. Um, I, I would guess it's probably some of those borderline back end uh, bullpen guys. But in spring training, it's so tough because it, when a guy hits two home runs, three home runs, you say, oh, well, it's spring training. But then if, if you go 0 for 10, then it's like, oh, he's having a terrible spring. So I'm not sure uh, exactly how to evaluate that. People always say, don't believe what you see in March and don't believe what you see in September. But uh, this is all we have to go off. I've been impressed with the way that people have come in in shape and uh, the situation that they've had going here in, in Yankee camp. This player will be absolutely integral for the Yankees to win a World Series. Garrett Cole. I don't know how they get there without Garrett. And, uh, you know, I'm not breaking any news there. He is their ace. He's the guy that, um, you know, in game one of a playoff series, you want to have him with the ball and, you know, opening day, he's going to get the call. I know he's so excited about that because not only is he excited to get the call on opening day at Yankee Stadium with fans, but his dad uh, still hasn't had a chance to see him pitch in person as a Yankee. And so uh, that's something that they uh, they grew up, you know, cheering on the Yankees in uh, the, uh, the late 90s. We've all seen the, the picture at the 2001 World Series. So I think that's going to be really special for Garrett to have his family on hand for that, finally, to be in the stands at Yankee Stadium. And um, I, I know that there's a reason the Yankees brought him there. Hal Steinbrenner said it. It's to win multiple World Series titles. So it's time to, to get the first one. I don't. For me, I'm going to go with Gary Sanchez again. I mean, I feel like it, they need his bat in the lineup, and they need him to be tough behind the plate. That I, I agree with you, Garrett Cole, but I also I want to say Gary Sanchez for that. I, I would say to that is that we've already seen Gary lose his job once, and Kyle Higgins-Yoka did a really nice job at the tail end of last year. And so uh, if Gary is the bad 2020 Gary, I think they can survive that because I think Higgins-Yoka can go in there and – you know, he may not hit the way Gary does, but he's going to catch and throw with the best of them. And it kind of does hurt their depth that Robinson Torino's looks like he's going to need surgery. He could need surgery. Either way, he's going to be out for a while. He would have been a good veteran catching depth to have down there at AAA. But I, I just think there's no way they can replace Garrett Cole, what he means to this rotation. Look, if Corey Kluber is back to form, fantastic. If Jameson Tyone can pitch the way that, uh, you know, made him a first round draft pick. Terrific. But I think still at the end of it, Garrett Cole's the guy you want there pitching game one of a playoff series. You're right. I like the counterpoint. A quick one about your 2021 experience in Florida. Are players signing autographs for the fans? Is that allowed? I do not believe it's allowed. I certainly have not seen it. So they do a good job here, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, of having to keep the distance. Uh, I've noticed stadium security has been keeping everybody away from the lower seating bowl and, uh, you know, fans can't go roam on the backfield. So that's one of the great things about spring training. And people always ask, should I go down to, to Florida and see spring training? And in a normal year, my, my answer is absolutely yes, because you will get much closer to the players here in Tampa than you ever could at Yankee stadium. And that's even going back to the old stadium. Like 
Uh, it's just so much more intimate and uh, and friendly here. But unfortunately, with the way the world is right now, this spring is uh, different than any I've ever covered. But it's certainly better than where we were one year ago today. I, I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, you're right about that. All right, here's a multiple choice question for you. When the Yankees are looking to round out their one or two last bench spots, if spring training ended today, who would make the cut? Would it be Diedrich, Bruce, Randuhar, Ford, Talkman, or Wade? <laughs> you probably only get to choose two of them, I would think. Yep. And so, you know, we've been doing this exercise on MLB.com where it's going to make me look really bad in about three weeks where I'm trying to forecast the roster. And uh, it's changed a little bit as it's gone along. But my most recent one, I had Topman and Wade making the team. But the way Bruce is hitting, I feel like the next time I do that installment, I'm going to go back on that and I'm going to say Bruce and Wade because it, as far as the Topman uh, Bruce thing goes, the advantage with Topman is he can play center field, but Bruce can play first base, he can play the outfield corners for you, uh, left-handed power bat. He he looks healthy, he looks great, and so uh, if he's back to anywhere near the All-Star form, that's a that's an imposing guy to have on your bench that you can swap in there and. Um, you know, I think he's only going to make 1.6 million this year. So they're probably going to lose one of the, one of the two Bruce or Talkman. And I think that right now, if I had to bet, I'll say Jay Bruce sticks around and Tyler Wade sticks because of the speed, because of the defensive versatility. In fact, he could play shortstop, I think gives him a leg up over Dietrich. Although this is something that I think for Brian Cashman could come down to the last week of camp. Talking with Brian Hoke from MLB.com here on The Fan. Now let's look at the starting pitching because I came up with this analogy before. Constructing a roster is like putting together a puzzle. It's made of human beings, though, as the pieces, and their availability is ever-changing. Some of them just fit better together than others. And I know we just mentioned Robinson Chirinos. Cole pitched to a 1.57 ERA with him in 2019. And I don't know what the ERA breakdown between Sanchez and Higashioka is, but it's clear Cole prefers the latter. With the wrist fracture to Chirinos, he'll eventually be back. So how does that – I know we're, we're really projecting here, but but how would that look on a Yankees roster, and who would be the best puzzle piece to match Garakol? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good question there. I think that they're going to really try to fit this Gary Sanchez, Garrett Cole thing back. They're going to give it another go. And what Aaron Boone said to us was that if the Yankees had moved past – Tampa Bay, if they'd gone on to the ALCS, his plan was to have Gary and Garrett paired up. And, and so that Higashioka thing would have ended there. Now, I don't know. We'll never know for sure if that actually would have happened, but it's a nice thing to say here in spring training. It certainly gives uh, Gary a pat on the back and, and gets that going. But I think that Spoon doesn't want to be boxed into the idea that, well, it's Garrett Cole's day. So Kyle Higashioka must start today. I mean, I think that he's not afraid of pairing them. Obviously, he did it seven times down the stretch last year. And in the most important games of the year, it was Higashioka behind the plate. But I think you would want to have the option of doing that if it's an April game against, you know, Kansas City or whoever. And you don't want to take Gary's bat out of the lineup. So I, I think that uh, they're going to really try. I, Garrett Cole will be pitching Gary Sanchez this year at some point. I guarantee that. I, I really do believe that. It's it just gives them more flexibility in the way that he, they can rest other guys and, and give people time off and, uh, and, and ease the workload of both players. Cause I think they're both going to be important this year for the Yankees, but Garrett Cole, I think he, he'll do just fine. No matter who's behind the plate. I think that, uh, you know, when you've got the stuff he has, if Gary's catching even halfway the way he's supposed to be, they'll, they'll be fine with that. 
entering the season, and I know I'm not alone, but the biggest concern was the Yankees starting rotation. So here's what I came up with. What do you think? Until Severino's back, of course. I'm thinking in this order, Cole, Kluber, obviously, Herman, Tyone, Montgomery on the back end. What do you think? Ooh, we've got Herman at three. Yeah. You know, my rotation on paper right now in my mind would have Cole, Kluber, Tyone three, Montgomery four, and Herman five. In my mind, Herman is still competing for that number five spot coming off a year when he didn't pitch at all professionally, except in the winter league. And even that didn't go so well. I, I guess, you know, to go back to one of your earlier questions, who has impressed me a lot in this camp is Domingo Herman, because I don't think any of us knew what to expect coming in. If he had come in and been terrible, I wouldn't have been shocked because not many people just sit out an entire year without access to any kind of training facilities. The fact that he's come in and looked pretty much like his 2019 self against major league competition, that has definitely impressed me. And so, um, you know, we're talking about forecasting the roster. Yeah, I've got Herman right now in my mind, a slight edge over Davey Garcia for that last spot. He's a little more, he's a little older and a little more experienced, but they love Garcia's maturity. I think that he will be starting games for the Yankees at some point this year. It's going to take more than five guys with this rotation, but I would have Tyone three, Montgomery four, and probably Herman five right now, if I had to guess. You bring up a good point. Now, how are the Yankees, and it's not just Herman, it's Kluber, it's Tyone. How are the Yankees trying to navigate the lack of innings logged in, let's say, the last one or two seasons by most of their mm -hmm. rotation? Yeah, think about that. The fact that last year, Corey Kluber, Jamison Tyone, and Domingo Herman combined for one inning at the major league level. One, one inning, and that was by Kluber. So, yeah, there's definitely, you know, I think wide, you're going to have a lot of pitchers who didn't throw innings last year because nobody made 32 starts. Nobody went 200 innings because you couldn't. So I think that league-wide, every team is going to fall into this situation where they're going to have to get creative, where it's going to take six, seven, eight, nine, ten different guys making starts for them at some point if we do wind up playing a full 162. And fingers crossed that that actually happens. That's why I think that guys like Davey Garcia, guys like Clark Schmidt, when he comes back, will get a shot here. Nick Nelson is somebody in this Yankee camp that coaching staff keeps talking about. They're very high on him, and we got to see him a little bit last year out of the bullpen, but they see him as a legit starting pitching option with a four-pitch mix. So he's definitely a name that when people ask me, you know, who's somebody who's kind of under the radar who I should be watching, I always say Nick Nelson because the Yankees coaching staff does not stop talking about this kid. So I really do think he's going to get a big opportunity. Now, here's a question for Mets fans, Brian. You, you're playing fantasy baseball. You've got the first pick. <laughs> Who is the first pitcher you're picking, Garrett Cole or Jacob DeGrom? Wow. Oh, you're going to get me in trouble here. I, I'll take DeGrom. Look, he wins a Cy Young every year, and Garrett hasn't won one yet. So I, I'll go with DeGrom. And, you know, pitching in the National League, it looks like they're not going to have the designated hitter this year. So his ERA should be lower. I, I think that until – DeGrom proves me wrong. You know, you bet on him every single year. But uh, Garrett Cole would be a pretty good number two overall pick in, the, in that same draft. You're listening to Brian Hoke, Yankees reporter. Believe it or not, Yankees reporter for MLB.com. I'm just playing with you. Uh, in terms of relievers here, I loved hitters getting different looks from Britain, who lives in the bottom of the zone, Darren O'Day, the submariner with a natural rise, and then High Heat Chapman, right? So how do the Yankees overcome this Britain news? Is it next man up or is it let's go out and get somebody maybe like a David Robertson? 
Yeah, you know, I think that if the Robertson thing was going to happen, it would have happened already. I feel like that showcase he did at the University of Alabama was about three weeks ago, I guess, off the top of my head. And so there was never any kind of smoke there. And look, it could still happen. I, I will, I'll never say never. But I feel like if that was going to be the Yankees answer, like he would have to be in camp already. We'd have to be taking a look at him, you know, coming in as a non-roster guy or something. So that tells me, you know, either the money wasn't right or the opportunity wasn't right. You know, I wouldn't rule it out maybe for later in the year. I think it would be a nice bookend for Dave to finish his career with the Yankees. He obviously came up and I think it was 2008. I know he was definitely part of that 2009 world championship team. He got some big outs there, Houdini in the, in the playoffs there. I'm sure there would be interest on his side. In terms of what's actually on this roster, I think Boone has talked a lot about how inning six, seven, eight will all be fluid. And so that's going to be Chad Green. That'll be Darren O'Day. That'll be Justin Wilson. All three of those guys getting important innings. And he's mentioned Jonathan Luizaga as a guy in that mix. Nick Nelson, who I previously mentioned here, uh, I think could play a part here. But they're going to try and mix and match from within there and overcome it. Because the thing is, Britain is coming back. It, he's going to come back from a bone spur surgery. So it's just kind of a matter of when and whether it's June or July. I, I think they can weather eight, ten weeks there without him. But they're going to have to rely on their depth. And I think you're going to see them calling guys up and down from that alternate site first couple months of the season. Brett Gardner, is he happy with his role be it not being the everyday left fielder? I can't imagine a competitor like him is happy with what he, where he is. Well, I think he's happy to be back with the Yankees, that's for sure, because he's made no secret of the fact that he wants to finish his career with the Yankees. And I feel like this has been an ongoing story with Gardy for years now. It's every year we're in spring training and we're saying, oh, they're going to scale back your playing time they're gonna they're, they're not gonna play you as much and then every year one of the big guys winds up getting hurt and then brett gardner you look up at the end of the year and he played 140 games for them so what you say on paper on march 12 and what actually happens by october 12 are often two very different things but the one thing you would say about gardner is you know he's going to come in in shape he certainly did he's going to play a an above average left field for you he'll play center field if you need them to, they actually had them in right field up in Lakeland. So the defensive part, I don't worry about the being in shape. He runs better than a lot of guys on this team. He's got a few years on, on everybody. He's the longest tenured Yankee. So as far as a clubhouse presence and just being a guy who can come in and, and jump in those positions, look, Clint Frazier has earned that opportunity, but knowing that Gardner is there to step in in the case of an injury. And, and certainly, you know, with Aaron Hicks and Aaron Judge have spent a lot of time on the I.L. over the last couple of years. Uh, I think it gives Boone a lot of comfort to know that in those situations, Gardner's there as your kind of break in case of emergency. So the grand slamming hit was impressive. But to me, what was more impressive was how the bases were loaded in the first place. Torres walked, Sanchez singled, Andujar singled. Friday's game, they scored on a Tyler Wade sack fly and a Gardner <laughs> RBI double at one point, right? So have the Yankees hitters and coaches put more of an emphasis on bucking the home run strikeout trend at the plate? Is that what I'm seeing or is that I'm just imagining this? <laughs> um, you know, every year we hear that the Yankees are, are, are too home run prone and every year the Yankees wind up being among the league leaders and run scored and home runs. So I think that's still part of their DNA. It's nice when you can see that kind of small ball. It's certainly uh, more fun to watch, you know, rather than the strikeout or home run baseball. But I, I feel like 
the Yankees, more than any other team maybe in the league, are that strikeout home run team. And we're looking at guys in that lineup, like last year's home run leader, Luke Voigt, but also Judge and Stanton, of course, and Gary Sanchez. And it's important, I think, to have guys like DJ LeMay, who's one of the best hitters in the league overall. He's a guy who is away from that trend, but they've got a ton of other guys who are right in that box of the way baseball is played in this decade. And so a lot of this Yankee team is going to be boom or bust. I don't like the sound of that, Brian. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> We're talking. With- you're right. You're right. Absolutely. Tyler Wade, you know, legging out a sack fly. That is what you're going to see all year long. <laughs> talking with Brian Hoke. My final question for you here is, I was thinking about this today. Spring training back in the day was used to get the players back in shape. Today, you mentioned it a few times, the players today are arriving completely in shape. So as long as this season is, you know, 162 games plus the playoffs, do you ever see a point as a baseball guy, maybe in the next CBA, where the players would like to shorten spring training? Mm, That's interesting. Um, You know, I think spring training is always for the pitchers. And I think that if you ask any position player, it's about two weeks too long for them. You know, for the hitters to get their timing, you know, most of these guys probably now, if you told them today is opening day, they'd probably be ready to go. But I think for the pitchers to build up their stamina, that's what this time is for. And, um, you know, for example, I, I think Garrett Cole has only thrown three innings and, you know, gone as far as three innings in a start. And Jameson Tyone went to two and two thirds. So these guys aren't built up to go five, six, seven innings yet. Uh, now, could you, in theory, get them, get the pitchers going in January or something to, to have them built up? Uh, yeah, I guess you could do that and have them throwing in, you know, simulated settings and live VPs and whatever. But I, I think just in terms of putting on a show and having two different teams on the field, which is what we want to see in spring training, I, I'd prefer to have it the way it is right now. We've come a long way from Yogi Berra having to sell dishwashers and washing machines during the offseason at Sears, which is actually true. He did do that. We've come a long way from the reigning AL MVP having to do that. Spring training is one of the best times of the year. And I know this year is a little different. Uh, everything considered. But next spring training, I want pitchers and catchers down here on Valentine's Day. And I want opening day on April 1st. I want it just the way it is. And I want to be there too. Brian Hoke, thank you so much for joining us here on The Fan. I really appreciate it. You were great. You got it, Danielle. Take care. Well, well, well. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight. It is the five o'clock hour. It is the final hour of let's just say McCartan in the morning at this point in time everybody welcome back to the fan uh, if you're just waking up good morning you're just going to bed you know good night <laughs> hopefully you leave the radio on though I do I, I mentioned this before I do leave the radio on for the dog uh when I when I leave the house uh she's sleeping on my bed right now I know that so get off my bed no, I'm just kidding so uh yeah so we've been talking a lot uh tonight about a lot of different things it's that time of year it's it's March 14th it's pie day uh, baseball fans, and we're, we're a baseball town, and, you know, the Mets and Yankees have high expectations this year. Um, the Giants and Jets, you know, they're they're operating on a very different um, plan. You know, the Giants don't have a lot of cap flexibility. They're going to have to, they have to build through the draft. They're, they're going to have to, and you've seen it already, um, go and ask some players to restructure their contracts. We've talked tonight already about how, um, the first the first move that they made, I mean, they franchise tagged Leonard Williams. But I don't know if they're done with him because, you know, that franchise tag has him, and this is league rules, has to be that he earns 120% of last year's salary. 
So right now, at this moment, at 5.05 in the morning here in New York City, Leonard Williams is set to make $19.3 million this year. That's a figure that the Giants um, don't want, you know, to be honest with you. They want the player. They don't want that money. So there's a few different directions in which they can go with Leonard Williams, one of which being um, to re-sign him to a long-term deal where the money would kind of be spread out over the length of that long-term deal. Don't get me wrong. He had a career year. He had 11 and a half sacks for Giants last year. I mean, he was a good player for the Giants last year. Uh, caller brought up before. Maybe he was just playing for a contract. I don't know. But um, they could do that. Um, they would have until July 15th to offer him the, uh, the, the long-term deal to sort of alleviate that one-year, really, cash pull from the Giants' tight bank account. So at the same time, though, that the Giants must be cap-compliant by March 17th. What is that, Wednesday, I think? St. Patrick's Day? But in the meantime, and this comes right from the Giants' website, in the meantime, Williams is allowed to negotiate with other teams once that free agency period begins. If he, in fact, signs a contract elsewhere, and this is, I'll be honest, you know, I, I think this would be my hope of how this shakes out for the Giants if he signs a contract elsewhere, and I'm sure there's a lot of teams that would be interested in his services after what he put up last year, the Giants would receive two compensatory first-round draft picks. So there's a lot to watch and follow here, especially with just this one single player in Leonard Williams. Um, like I said before, there's been a flurry of activity with um, with the NFL over this past week. Um, and to be continued uh, into halfway through next week at, at the very least. Um, so I think at this point next week when we're sitting here, I'm not even sure that the dust will be settled at that point in time because there's still a lot that needs to go on between now and then. But we'll see. We'll see what moves that they make. But I think um, I almost want to say that Giants would be better off with him signing elsewhere and taking the picks because of their cap um, inflexibility, we'll call it. Um he had a breakout season last year, so I'm sure there's some interest. And then also with the Giants, uh, I still I don't think there's any detail out about it just yet, unless it was like late, late, late breaking um, while I was doing the show. I mean, Nate Solder and the Giants have agreed in principle to a reworked deal to return to the team. Obviously, it's going to be less salary um, than uh, than he was used to be making, and you know, obviously that's part of part of the deal here. But. I think Giants fans are, are, are getting on Nate Solder, and, and okay, sure, he uh, he had a terrible 2019 season. He opted out in 2020, but he's still a veteran. He's still a 17th overall pick, and he's still a two-time Super Bowl champion. So, listen, he cited health concerns in 2020. Can you blame him? He himself is a cancer survivor. His son is also battling cancer. So, before you jump on him for that, I think you know, make sure you know the whole story. 2019 too, and he said, I, you know, I don't want to make any excuses or anything, but, you know, 2019, my son was undergoing kidney surgery and all stuff like that, and my mind was just not where it needed to be. And if you're an athlete, even at the high school level or the collegiate level, you know that your mind is uh, is is just as important as your body when you play at, at such high levels. So I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm thinking of, of a restructured deal, obviously, he's cheaper you know, it makes it a little bit easier to, um, I guess, I don't want to say it like this, but to, to stomach, it's, it's a little easier if he's making a little less money. Um, and if he has a bounce back year, good for him. I'm, I'm expecting it, to be honest with you. 
Um, and why all of this is because the NFL has released its, I'm using air quotes here, post-COVID cap configuration. So the team salary caps, and I'll give you the exact numbers this time around, the team salary caps decreased from $198.2 million to $182.5 million. So think about it. That's kind of significant. It's about like $16 million, you know, give or take. That's like a whole good player's like annual salary. That, that's kind of significant. So that's why you're seeing a lot of the movement, um, a lot of the players that, you know, are no longer, you know, welcome on on their former teams. And they're going to be having to look for a new team moving forward because of the COVID, you know, ravaging teams budgets and revenue streams and, and then all that. Right. So teams are looking at a cap situation of about $16 million less than they had last year, which is significant. Um, another thing to watch for if you're a Jet fan is this. Um, the NFL reminded teams this, just a couple days ago that they have until May 3rd to exercise their fifth-year options on their 2018 first-round picks. So why is that applicable to the Jets? Well, obviously Sam Darnold was drafted in that year. So his option, which might be a little bit more to use the word again, stomachable for Jets fans, maybe this changes your opinion on what to do with him, it's now figured to reduce from about $25 million down to $18.9 million, which for a quarterback in this league, I think, I don't want to use the word bargain, but I think it's a pretty good deal. And uh, another thing, the Jets are are sitting pretty in the second best cap situation in the league, unlike the Giants. In fact, I mean, the last I checked, they, they trail only the Jaguars in cap space and only by about $300,000, which is, you know, nominal, you know, with the budget of the NFL teams. That's that's not a lot. So we didn't really talk about this tonight, but we could. What is the draft blueprint for the Jets moving forward? I likened it to this. It's like, you know, when you're a kid and you read the, uh, I was a big reader. I don't know if you guys can tell. I'm a big nerd. But uh, the uh, the choose your own adventure books, remember those? Like, I used to read them, and I used to read them like, all the all the adventures. I used to read all the adventures. I wanted to know how all of them ended. And that's kind of what I did for you guys with, with the Jets. You know, all of the different... I, I determined four different paths on how they're going to go. Um, because their draft strategy is totally contingent upon their quarterback situation and what you think that they should do for their quarterback. So I've got you covered A to Z, but basically the four scenarios are... Is Sam... No, not a, not a question. Scenario one would be... Sam Darnold is the Jets quarterback for next season moving forward. Situation two or scenario two would be the Jets draft a quarterback. Whether that be, it's not Lawrence, but whether it could be Fields or uh, uh, Zach Wilson, who the Jets have been linked to if you're reading all the draft to, you know projections or whatever. Um, so A, they're staying with Sam Darnold, or B, they're drafting a quarterback, or C, they're picking up a free agent quarterback, which I don't think that's going to happen at all. Because when you look at it, it's kind of kind of bare, you know, slim pickings there. Or or, or D, situation four, are the Jets going to trade for a quarterback? So, you know, choose your own adventure, you guys. Which which of the options, or where are you going at quarterback? And that's going to determine your draft strategy. So we could talk about that as well. Um, 
yeah, so that so that wraps up the football talk. So the Yankees and the Mets, I think the Mets have it'll take them first. I think the Mets have uh, tipped their hand on an opening day roster. Um, the other day they put out, while Jacob deGrom was on the bump, they put out um, a lineup of, uh, yeah, I'll go through it, and this is the batting order too. One, left field, Nimmo. <laughs> Looks like I'm talking to my own team. All right, here's the batting order for today, you guys. Batting first, left fielder, Brandon Nimmo. Second, shortstop, Lindor. Third, right field, Conforto. Fourth, first baseman, Alonzo. Fifth, D.H. Smith. Sixth, second baseman, McNeil. Seventh, third baseman, Davis. Eighth, catcher, McCann. Ninth, center fielder, Almora Jr. All right, can somebody go put this up on the fence, this whiteboard up on the fence? <laughs> um, yeah, that's the order that they went with the other day uh, with DeGrom on the hill. So uh, the one thing, though, this would be a perfect lineup, except they were playing the Astros, which is an American League team, and they had the luxury of putting Dom Smith as the DH. That's not going to happen in the regular season because they have to operate. Unfortunately, I am a proponent of uh, the uh, the DH and in, in across all of the leagues, the universal DH. I love it. But unfortunately, the Mets have to operate under traditional National League rules for this season, which really sucks for them because they have two D- guys that can DH on any day. And, and when they're not DHing, they're playing first base. It's a perfect scenario where, you know, Pete Alonso's playing first base, Dom Smith is the, the DH, and then they flip-flop. You know, it's a perfect scenario for the Mets. So what do you do? You need Dom Smith's bat. And Al Mora Jr. has been putting up some web gems in center field this season. I don't know if you've seen it. Well, it's hard to see because some of the games aren't on TV, so it's hard to see them. Starting with Saturday night's game. So what I'm imagining that they're going to do is this. Uh, maybe a rotating basis of Smith at first and in left field, which would give me nightmares if I were a Met fan. And then Alonzo, Nimmo, Almora, they're all kind of sort of part of this rotation, and they're just going to kind of figure it out because, I mean, what else could you do? What else can you do in order to keep Alonzo's bat in the lineup, in order to keep Smith's bat in the lineup without a DH? It's it's like it's, it's a hard puzzle to put together, and it's far from ideal if you're a Met fan. So you better start praying every night that the universal DH gets adopted into the NL with the new CBA. And I just, if you're a Met fan, keep in mind, though, that Luis Rojas, in the 60 games last season, he used 53 different lineups. He only reused three batting orders. And the most he used any single lineup card was four times. So maybe this is it, or maybe not. More likely, maybe not. Maybe we're just getting excited over nothing here. And if you're a Yankee fan, there's a lot to be excited about. I know the, the news about Zach Britton. It's it's it it stinks. You know, it's it, there's no way around it. It stinks. It's a huge blow. I think Zach Britton is the cog. Yeah, uh, I don't know the expression, but he's a huge cog in in that Yankees bullpen. And you know, he elected to get his bone chip removed surgically instead of trying to rehab it and pitch through it. And the way he explained it was, you know, if it was during the season, I don't know that surgery would be the decision. So maybe it's lucky. Maybe the Yankees are lucky. That um that it happened now, I mean he'll be back by June or July. He'll be ready to go, fresh, ready to go for uh for a playoff run, a deep playoff run. Um, that's what the Yankees are expecting. But you know I kind of looked to see who else had it and and how they performed after it. And Steven Strasburg in 2013 had it. 
I know he's a starting pitcher and Britain's a relief pitcher, but you know, he he's like the most recognizable name. In twenty fourteen he came back throwing great in a career high, you know, number of innings in the next year after that. So, you know, it's a point of optimism. I'm just trying to paint a picture of optimism. It's not the worst news. Better that it happened now rather than in season, right? Instead of trying to pitch through it. And as bad as that news was to receive, Yankees fans have to be jumping for on the positivity train based on what they've been saying about Severino, right? And the progress that he's been making all week. People around the organization all week were saying like, oh, you know, he looked good. He was just doing some regular throwing. He looked great. Finally, long awaited, he threw his first bullpen session after that Tommy John surgery. Mike Harkey, the bullpen coach, here's what he called him. He called him comfortable and aggressive. That's a lethal combination, right? And he he added, when Severino does come back, I think he's going to be much stronger. Okay, well, we could do with that one. But comfortable and aggressive, I like those two words together. That's music to a Yankees fan's ears, I am sure. And I I, I tried to to get it out of Brian Hoke. You heard it. Is the feast or famine approach gone? He doesn't seem to think so. But I'm, I'm, again, hopping off the optimism train here, guys. I can speak for myself. I love seeing small ball. The Yankees might be making a small incremental um, push towards small ball in in, in Tampa, maybe. Um, but, you know, you remember a couple days ago, Grant, uh, Brett Gardner's Grand Slam. Impressive. Sure. Very impressive. What was more impressive to me as, like, the small ball nerd for this team anyway, right, this Yankees team, how the bases were loaded in the first place. Torres walked. Sanchez singled, and and Duhar singled. Then I just happened to notice on Friday, the Yankees earned a run on a uh, Tyler Wade sack fly and a Brett Gardner RBI single. And then Saturday, the best of them all. I I could believe my eyes. Aaron Hicks against the shift Saturday laid a beautiful, and I'm I'm, I'm mimicking him right here (laughs) on my chair here, laid down a beautiful bunt that straddled the line all the way down to the third base bag, bumped the third base bag, and stayed fair. You love to see it. I want to see more of it. I mean, infield single. It's an infield single. Goes down in the, in the book as an infield single, everybody. And guess what? There was nobody on the left side of the infield. Nobody. For how long have you heard me begging players to bunt against the shift? I'm so happy to see it. And guess what? From this point on, the defense might think twice before shifting against him next time. Thus, opening up the spots that he does like to hit to. What a concept. And again, this Gary Sanchez hype, I'm in on it. I'm in on Gary Sanchez, not just based on his statistics, based on how I've studied him, what people are saying about him in and around the organization, you know, if you're a Yankee fan, get excited about Gary Sanchez. I can't believe I'm saying that. But it's true. It is, and I'm buying it. And I still can't find a DJ LeMahieu jersey on MLB Shop, by the way. Just so you know, I checked like three times this week. I'm, I'm a little upset about that still. Anyway, <laughs> take your calls after this quick break. 877-337-6666. Get aboard. There's only 40 more minutes remaining in the show. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. 
Hey, what's going on? It's the Moose. Coming up Monday after Boomer and Geo at 10 a.m. Moose and Maggie right here on The Fan. Maggie, brackets are out. Can't wait to analyze. Absolutely. Plus, this is a huge week in free agency for the New York Jets. The legal tampering part of the offseason is officially underway. We start at 10 a.m. We'll see you there on Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Radio.com. Yeah. Tree. Let's get it. Everybody, 877-337-6666 is the phone number. Uh, we are we're, we're jammed. I'll get right to your calls. But I, I, I want to tell you a quick story here. And, and I've got a suggestion, by the way, from Graham, who called in before. He said, I need to shout out my Twitter handle and my Facebook more often. So here you go. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. And if you're a Facebook user, it's just Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. That's me. That's where you can find me. All right, so there's the shout-out. Here's the quick story. Um, <laughs> on the warm day, whatever day that was, the warmest day, I, I brought my basketball to the park. I decided to go and shoot some hoops. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of this. I'm going to do do drills and stuff, and I'm real excited to get out there and, and, and run, run around, you know? Finally. So there I am. I'm just minding my own business. Some kid, maybe 14 years old or so, Rides up on his bike. He had the pegs on the front and the back of it, you know, the kind. Challenges me to a one-on-one game. I, like, looked at him. He was about my size. I turned him down. <laughs> I just, you know what? I, I just didn't want to embarrass him in front of his friends, honestly. And he also, too, did not have a mask on. And basketball is entirely too close for that. So uh, maybe next time, kid, I'll, I'll embarrass you in front of your friends. And then, then... Some old guy came over to show me how it's done, and those are his words. So, come here, dear. I'll show you how it's done. I'm like, really? So I bounced past him my ball, and I mean, he shot it uh, air ball times a 1,000. I mean, a 1,000. It wasn't even – it didn't have a chance, okay? It was like a line drive. didn't have a chance. And then he made me go and get it. He made me chase after his miserable air ball all the way to the fence. I had to run over snow piles all the way to the fence to go and get his air ball. I was like, I was incredulous. I mean, you take my ball, you shoot a disastrous air ball, and then you make me chase it? without You didn't even apologize? Come on, man. Have some class. And meanwhile, behind me, his son was... He could have used his his coaching. The son could have used his coaching, or maybe that's why he was like this. But his son behind me, on the other half of the court, was building a damn house with all the bricks he was shooting. It was like clanging off the the backboard, you know, like the the, the aluminum backboards. It's like bong. I'm like turning around, like, dude, I'm I'm trying to concentrate here, and it was just it was just a disaster. So um, when I go back to the park, I'm gonna go check on the, the progress of 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 his house um, on court number one. Made out of bricks. Uh, but yeah, so that was my experience at the park playing basketball. I'll go back. I'll go back. And, you know, the son, he could have used some of the coaching that I, you know, but it was a lost cause. Sometimes it's just a lost cause. All right, let's go to the phones here. 877-337-6666. Eric in Ronkonkoma, you're up. Hey, Danielle. Boy, that, that sounded like a lot of fun yesterday. <laughs> so, <laughs> what an adventure. Uh, well, the, well the, the other day, I should say. Yeah, what an uh, adventure that was. Yeah, uh, you mentioned National Pie Day. Do you, by any chance, know what yesterday was? The 13th? 3-13? It's a palindrome, but I don't know what it was. No, what was it? Okay, well, apparently it was National Open and Umbrella Indoors Day. 
Well, that's bad luck. Why would anybody do that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought it was a joke when they mentioned it on the radio, and then I Googled it, and that was one of the many things. Yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't know. Personally, I think they just pick these things out of a hat. But anyway, <laughs> um, okay, before I get to the, the, the point, you know, we, we lost a great boxer yesterday. Yes. Unfortunately, you know, a great middleweight boxer. Uh, you know, I, I loved watching, uh, uh, you know, Hagler fight. Uh, you know, uh, whether it was on YouTube or, you know, uh, uh, whatever, but uh, yeah, that, that was that was uh, that was a bad loss yesterday. Yeah, rest um, to him. Lo- lo- loving the way the Islanders are playing. I mean, it's halfway through the the short season. I'm hoping Andrews Lee is not out too long. I, I haven't heard the update uh, on there, but I, I I know from what I understand, Barry Trust can give too much information. Yeah, that's uh, that's hockey, right? The lower body, day you know, day to day, like yeah, I, I, that drives me nuts. Though, I'll be honest with you. I don't like and, it either. Yeah, I, I don't understand why they can't just say the part of the body, but. Uh, I know. Yeah, there's a big difference. There's a big difference between a toe and a groin, for example. Exactly right. And, and if you play fantasy yeah. hockey, then how are you supposed to set your lineup accordingly if you don't know if it's a groin or a toe? You right. know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, but any, but regardless, I mean they're, they're playing great. I mean, and again, I know the schedule is the way it is because of the shortened season mm-hmm. and all that. But mm-hmm. you know, the uh, all all the teams are dealing with that kind of scenario. So they, I'm, I'm just. You know, happy with the way they're playing. Yeah, I mean, third place, um, 40, 40 points. I mean, come on. Yeah, and again, it's just a testament to the the, the structure of the of the uh, organization. You know, I was joking with somebody yesterday because the, you, know, you mentioned earlier with the uh, A Rod and J Lo as far as the Met uh, scenario. Yeah. On it, I mean, I remember when the Islanders were supposedly bought by John Spano back in I think it was in the nineties. Uh, I don't remember the exact year, and that whole thing turned out to be a bust because it was just a, a mirage with with the money he had, and that thing went down to flames. It was it was a whole carousel of ownership until Charles Wong actually you know stepped in and bought it. So you know it's nice to see an actual ownership uh, and and managerial structure, uh, you know, for one one of your teams that that you root for. But uh, anyway, I'll I'll leave it at that. I know you got a lot of calls. And uh, enjoy more daylight, and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, of course, Eric. Thanks for the call. Always a great call. I appreciate it. Um, okay, yeah, so th- so we've got a call coming in all the way across the country now. Matt in Arizona is listening on the Radio.com stream. I assume, Matt, is that right? The Radio.com stream you got us on? Uh, yeah. Very cool. Um, I, w- I won't take up much of your time. No, uh, take your time. I, from what I've heard, you've seen a lot of uh, – Major League Baseball parks mm-hmm. across the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering if you could share with the listeners uh, the just a few of the uh, baseball parks you have not seen and are looking forward to seeing in the near future. Hmm. You know what, though? Before I let you go, Matt, I got to tell you, me and my friend went to, um, well, for my, my 30th birthday, I flew out to Scottsdale. My friend lived there. And uh, what a fun town that is, number, number, number one. But the deal was... I, she had to come to. She doesn't like baseball, but she had to come to the stadium tour with me to, of of the Chase Field. I okay loved okay. loved Chase Field. Very cool. I have I, and I live here, but I, I admit I have not been <gasps> here. I've been to a few of the spring training uh, facilities. Yes, and um, once this uh, COVID thing uh, gets uh, squared up uh, next year, um, I just want to see uh, uh, the Padres play the Dodgers. I wish the Mets were over here in Arizona, but they're not. But yeah. I'll check out a few um, National League teams that are here. 
Oh yeah, you got it. You got to go to Chase Field. The pool in the outfield is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And and that they were, I asked about tickets to that, and they were like, "Oh no, it's like a group sale section. You can't okay. you can't buy an individual I'll, I'll ticket." I'll go once uh, once the Mets play, and I'll see if the Degrom or, or another good pitcher uh, is going to be in the lineup that day. I'll check the newspaper. Very cool, Matt, and enjoy the stadium. And I'll answer your question in a second. But you know, a very good pitcher on the Mets rotation. I mean, take your picks. It's, Mets rotation is going to be pretty formidable, but some of the stadiums, you know, some of the stadiums I have not been to. Uh, I haven't been to Texas yet. Um, I, I've been told the San Francisco Giants Stadium is one of the best. I haven't been there yet. I'm just looking at I have like a little map of stadiums here. Um, me and my dad, actually, me and my dad had plans booked and everything ready to go last April. We were going to drive to Pittsburgh. We were going to then drive to Cleveland, do the, um, what's it called, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, see the city at, at the same time. But we were going to take a couple of days to, and do that. And um, we were really looking forward to it, a little little trip we were going to take together on the road, Route 80 all the way, right? That's how you get there. Um, but uh, COVID had some other plans, and uh, we had to cancel. So, you know, we don't know. I mean, we, we would like to reschedule, obviously, and we'll make a weekend out of it. I was trying to get him to also – go to Canton. It's a little off the beaten path, but I'm still working on him. Dad, sometimes he listens. So if uh, if we can get to Canton, I would appreciate that too, Dad. Um, so Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Um, yeah, those are probably like the main ones. You know, Seattle's a separate trip. That's a far trip. But yeah. And then I, I think last week it came up. This always comes up in this hour, I feel like, about the baseball stadiums. I don't know why. Uh, but last week someone asked me what was what's like the nicest, the best one I've been to, you know, I hate, I hate to say it. Fenway park. I loved Fenway park. I, there, I said it, I said it. It just has, you know, just the old school feel to it. It's not corporate feeling at all. It's small. It was way smaller than I thought it was going to be, you know, just the hallways. I just, I just loved it. I really did. I, sorry. I loved Fenway park. I'm so sorry uh, to actually admit that on the air, but it was beautiful. I loved it. And I also liked, um, Arizona too with the, 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 uh, the, re- I love retractable roofs. I just have a thing for retractable roofs. They have one, uh, in Milwaukee, they have one. Very cool. I just like it. And I wish MetLife Stadium had one. I paid enough for it, right? All right. Let's go to Ben in Queens. You're up next on the fan. Morning, coach. How are you? Uh, firstly, rest in peace to, to Mr. Hagler. Yes. Got to meet him a couple of times. Oh, yeah. Cool. He, he was like Tyson. In other words, like pure boxing knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, Very just cool. and go like he could tell you he could break down a fighter just by you know talking about it, but but he didn't like talking about fighting. That was the hilarious thing. My dad knew him great, so I got a chance to bounce a few questions off of him. Um, congratulations to Patrick Ewing. For everything MSG has put you through, heartbreaks and all of that to win on the floor yeah, how cool. of MSG, mm-hmm. especially after another MSG security flub. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll be nice about it. I know it's late, but you know, I I just don't understand how that happens. You know, I, I told a story earlier, Ben, and I don't mean to cut you off here, but I, I think I don't know if you heard it, but. We, my family, the four of us, were shopping in Best Buy at the fashion fashion center in Paramus, and I saw this this the back of this man who was very very tall. I'll keep the story short. That this story short this time, 
But I saw the back of this man, very tall man, extremely tall man. And I was like, who is that? And then we ran into him again after like checking out, you know. It was Patrick Ewing in, in Best Buy in Paramus, New Jersey. And we shook hands with him and everything. And I'm, my point being, if a guy approaches you wearing Georgetown, if he didn't even know it was Patrick Ewing, he's seven feet tall, by the way, which is what caught my attention. Seven feet tall. He's obviously some sort of former player of some sport, right? Probably basketball. And, and we recognize him in Best Buy, okay? Now he's supposed to be at the Garden because he's coaching his Georgetown basketball team. I mean, wouldn't you, especially in like the, the VIP entrances, wouldn't you have to sort of pass like some sort of, I don't want to say test, but like wouldn't that be your homework to maybe like look up what these people look like? You know what I mean? Four of the first eight pictures as you enter the garden <laughs> have Patrick Ewing in it, if not centered. You have to literally see his picture every day as you come in. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, last two things really quick. For my Rangers, glad Panarin is back. Yeah. The difference was apparent on the ice, but uh, this team's fighting, and that third period, Brian, last night mm-hmm. was great. I, it was great seeing Callahan on the on the pre and post game mm-hmm. in the in the booth. I I I, I like seeing that, and I'll end with this. You you brought it up before, Zach Britton. Thank you for getting that surgery now and not trying to play through it. Yeah. Just because bone chips happen. The bone chips in the elbow, and I've seen pitchers try to pitch through it. No, take no chances. We we can we can scuttle by, you know, enough. There's enough offense on this team where I hope he doesn't do further damage to the arm. Mm-hmm. So get that surgery now. Coach. Until next week, thank you for the time. Of course, Ben, appreciate it. See you next week. Um, you know, I wrote down, as you were talking there, Ben, um, Patrick Ewing finally you know, won as a coach. And, you know, as a player, I mean, he's done everything. He 11-time NBA All-Star, All-NBA First Team, you know, Rookie of the Year. I mean, basically everything, number 33 retired by the Knicks, by the way, you know. So he's done everything as a player. Most everything as a player. Never won the the big the big championship. As a coach, he's the Big East tournament champion this year with Georgetown. So I, as Ben was talking, I was thinking, you know, basketball Hall of Fame, Naismith Hall of Fame, the whole thing. So obviously I'm not anywhere near the caliber of player, or never was, uh, Patrick Ewing, obviously, um, despite my... Do you see my video? My four swishes on foul shots in a row. Someone commented in that I need a ball returner. You're right. I do need anybody want to meet me next time. Be my ball returner. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I was never that sort of caliber as a player, right? But I did win a state championship as a coach, and I don't know what it feels like as a player, but as a coach, I almost want to say it's like more satisfying because you orchestrated it. You got them to buy in to the point where you won a championship with them. It was awesome. It was special. It was, it was uh, uh, one of the best experiences of my, you know, quote-unquote athletic career. So um, Patrick, Mahom- Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Ewing, congratulations to you. Um, job well done. Let's go to Ray in Clark, New Jersey. You're on the fan, Ray. Good morning, Danielle. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Thanks for calling in. 
Just um, earlier, you mentioned uh, speaking of Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. uh, his contract restructure yes. and how he uh, basically helped the team out by uh, restructuring his contract. Yep. But when the Chiefs restructure his contract, they convert uh, roster bonus to signing bonus. Correct. Patrick Mahomes doesn't give up a dime doing that. Right. They're basically just moving money out on the cap. I, I guess the, so the signing bonus right. spreads out, and roster bonus counts this year. Right. And, and I did say that. And what I'm saying is that, that just the, the flexibility, you know what I mean, to be able to do that. You know what I mean? It's just the showing well, yeah. the willingness I mean, to be flexible to, to do that. Right. But for Patrick Mahomes, it's really just a paper move. It doesn't cost him anything. Yeah, sure. So it's not this. I think Tom Brady's making more of a sacrifice because he's taking like $20 million when he could probably get $35, 40000000 million. So he's kind of saying, yeah, let's keep the money in, on the team mm-hmm. to get more players. Yeah, I, I, but the parallel I was drawing between the two of them were, were two guys that are willing to rework things, rework the paperwork in a way. Okay, to, okay. To, well, that's uh, a pretty simple. Yeah. There's, there's a ton of players doing restructure. Of course. Bonuses. Yep. But the teams have to pay it later. You know, that's their risk. But mm-hmm. and, and regarding the, um, the total cap, like you mentioned, that 198 coming down to 192. That's a lot. On top of that, these teams were expecting like 210 million on a normal year next year. Mm-hmm. So they they wrote contracts expecting the cap to be about 210 next year, and so it's even more than the 16 million in in, in essence. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's ba- a big yeah, deal. based on the speculation, the expectation, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't know about Leonard Williams. Uh, I don't think anybody anybody signed him for two number one draft picks. You know, tag franchise tag players. Nobody ever signs those guys because well, nobody wants to pay. Yeah, they're compensatory though. So, yeah, but uh, is that right? Those are only are those are compensatory first Correct. rounders. Yes. Okay. And that, and that comes All from right. the Giants website. Yes. I see. Okay, so uh, my my error there. So no, that's okay. Fine. Yeah. All right. Thanks for taking my call. You have a great great day. Good okay. morning. <laughs> you too, Ray. Thanks. Yeah, and and I just kind of singled out Brady and Mahomes because. Um, you know, those, first of all, one, because the quarterback usually is the biggest draw on the cap, uh, you know, scenario. So, I, and those just happen to be two guys who do, you know, restructured things around, move things around, and they just happen to be the two quarterbacks that played in the Super Bowl last year. So that's kind of why I singled those two um, out. And yes, and Tom Brady can do it. His net worth is $250 million. His wife's net worth, she's the real MVP. She's worth $400 million. She's the one that allows the flexibility to any team, to, to the Patriots, because Tom Brady did do it with the Patriots too. She's allowing the flexibility to the Buccaneers. So she, Giselle, who doesn't even need a last name, Giselle, she's the real MVP. So Tom Brady put a post up. He said, uh, in pursuit of eight, we're keeping the band together. That was the caption. And in, uh, according to the article I read, they said that the cap of hit of his salary is now lowered. By $19.3 million. That's a lot. Bucks to repeat, I'm thinking. I'm going to take a look. I'll let you know next week because I made my pick last year on the Bucks on March 17th. I'll let you know next week who my pick is for, for this year. Let's go to Mike in West Palm Beach. Mike, you're late tonight. Buongiorno, professore. Buongiorno. <clears throat> yes, a little late. I, I'll tell you, I had a nice conversation with Nick, another good producer, before I went on deck. Yeah, Nick's um, great. Yeah. Um, I was at uh, West Palm Beach Stadium yesterday, Danielle. Oh, you went? Good. Yeah, but, you know, I get there 4.30 real quick, <clears throat> and I don't have a ticket. My buddy couldn't make it, so I'm solo. No big deal. Okay. Um, so I say to the guy, you know, parking, 
I said, do I have to pay $10 now? Can I park and just, you know, uh, I'll walk around the parking lot and, and uh, see if I can get a ticket. I got some dead presidents in my pocket. <laughs> oh, no, no, you have to do that. You have to go online. I said, I, I, I understand that. I said, okay, you want to do that? Okay, fine. So I leave, I go back, uh, play a little poker um, in West Palm Beach. You know, some small game. Um, and anyway, um, <laughs> but... I'm not going to go out of my way. I'm not going to go crazy and spend uh, three times the price of a ticket for spring training, even though I'm a longtime Mets fan. <clears throat> um, yeah, this is like I call it the morning after the night before. I had a couple of drinks and whatever. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Danielle, <clears throat> uh, you're always on target. And you know what? You got faithful callers. And I'm not the type of guy that's not my thing. Call every show like some people do. Overnight, I call. Mm-hmm. Richard Neer yesterday, uh, I'm listening to him for uh, 50 years, and, and uh, good, good uh, producer Pat uh, was, was there. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, um, I'll make it quick. You're, you're closing in at the end of your show. Um, oh, last week I, I gave a shout-out to a uh, St. John's player, Danielle. Yeah, yeah. Jake, Jake Lazaro, power-hitting shortstop, mm-hmm. he, he played his uh, high school ball with Oceanside. Where my where my daughter and my son went, and uh, uh, this kid um, is, is going places. He'll probably get drafted. But I'll tell you this: uh, one thing I don't like, and I hope they uh, correct it, Danielle. Um, this poster, the shift, can't stand it. Even yeah. my father, rest his soul, yeah. um, and a DH and uh, whatever. But um, uh, let's see. Oh yeah, all the faithful. Uh, I call them disciples of George Steinbrenner baseball Yankee fans. Not all. But they can't wait. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, some of them have these uh, jackets. Oh, you know, 27 world championships and this and that. And da, 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 da. Hey, good, good luck to the Yankees. And there was a call earlier today. Uh, oh, the interview. Who would you rather have pitching, Cole or mm-hmm. uh, DeGrom? For me, it would be the DeGrominator. Um, yeah. A former power-hitting shortstop from uh, Stetson University. Um, and good luck, uh, uh, Danielle, with Gary Sanchez. You know, I wish him good luck, but he's, you know, uh, it, it's all a mental thing, yeah. you know. Um, yep. uh, let's see. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk a little about golf. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Danielle, you said it. As a former ball player, yeah, the old saying is um, older ball players – don't uh, go on into the uh, sunset. They go on and play a little golf. Mm-hmm. You can do it. It's hand-eye coordination like, like baseball, softball. Okay? And um, there's no reason why. I don't know. I just ahead. don't know if I have the patience for it, though. <laughs> like, hit the ball, never, go chase the ball. Hit the ball, go chase the ball. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I, I never took a lesson in my life. It was it was trial and error, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, all right. Uh I mentioned a couple of uh, weeks ago on your show, I, I like the logo golf balls. Okay. Yeah. And there's, there's one in my villa right now, <clears throat> which I'm going to save. Um, but you, again, you give everyone a fast shake, respect. That's why you've got a faithful following. And you got serious mojo <laughs> behind the microphone. Hey, Mike, before you go. Thank you for yeah. that. Before you go, uh, Pat Boyle has just texted me, and he wants to know, so did you go to the game or did you not go to the game? No. Uh, hey, Pat, what's up? Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I got there at 4.30, not having a ticket. My buddy lives in Jupiter. He couldn't make it. So I said, all right, I, I'll go solo. Um, no, it, it was it was sold out. That's the first thing the guy said, you know, at the parking uh, spot. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're sold out. We're sold out. 
can I park my vehicle here without paying $10 and just mosey around the parking lot? You know, got the dead presidents in my pocket. Oh, no, you can't do that. Hey, have a good day. Ah, so you left. All right, Mike. Yeah. All right. um, I will talk to you next week, Mike. Thanks for the call. As always, I appreciate it. Danielle, you're one of the best. Uh, That's why you got got the mojo. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. All right, Danielle. Take care. Bye. (laughs) Pat Boyle on the check-in, by the way, on the text check-in. Hey, Pat, he's on his way in is what he said. All right, let's go to Terry in Armenia. You're on the fan, Terry. I believe it's Bon Martina Imperatrice. Uh, Buona. Buona. It's feminine. So Buona Martina. Buona. Yes. Buona Martina. <laughs> Buona Martina. Hearing, hearing people talk about Patrick Ewing's experience mm-hmm. in the garden brought back a vivid memory from 40 years ago, which most people on the fan wouldn't want to hear, but you will. Okay, let's hear it. I was visiting my closest friend who lived in West Hollywood. He had a short business meeting before we went to the beach. I am sitting in the car, Mm -hmm. and I see a woman coming up from the underground garage of this old apartment block carrying two big bags of groceries. I said, may I help you with the groceries, ma'am? That was nice. She said, I would be grateful if you would. I got out of the car. I took the two bags of groceries, followed her into the building, into her apartment, put the bags down on the kitchen table, and started to leave. I got to the door. She said, young man, do you know who I am? (laughs) I turned around and I said, of course I do. But like everyone else, you are entitled to your privacy. Ooh, who was it? She said, I wish more people understood that. It was Betty Davis. Wow. Wow, what a cool story. Nowadays... With what I have in my pocket, I'd have a selfie. Yep. Oh, yeah. But I will never forget that. And I know a number of celebrities, many of whom I have met by quietly introducing myself with, please forgive me for invading your privacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's none of That's that nowadays. Yeah, there's none of that nowadays. There is too little respect nowadays, Mm -hmm. an unintentional byproduct of social media, of respect for people's privacy. And while I understand completely Patrick Ewing's annoyance about not being recognized, I do feel that he and everyone else like that needs to remember that each and every celebrity is, like those of us who are anonymous, entitled to his or her privacy when they are, quote-unquote, off-duty. Yeah, Terry, and, and thanks for the call here. But the problem is that he was working. He was, he was, he was going to practice or whatever it was, a, a responsibility for his team. You know, and, and that's kind of where the annoyance comes from. Sparky and Dobbs Ferry, you're up next. First, Coach, how's everything going? Oh, good. How are you? Oh, good. Now, 
as far as Patrick Ewing, there is absolutely no explanation that could be acceptable about what the Garden did. Because, you know, think about it. You know what that would be like? That would be like Yankee Stadium not letting Mariano Rivera in. Or not knowing who he is. Excuse yeah. me, sir. Accosting I mean, that's him. ridiculous. I know. You know, and, and, and you know, and I'm, when, we, when you're talking about Luis Severino, when he comes back, you know what he's going to be like? He's going to be like the Yankees getting a starting pitcher at the trade deadline. Yep. Exactly. I mean, and... I got a feeling that Zach Britton loss is going to hurt them a lot worse than people think. Well, he'll be back in June or July, so it's not so bad. It would have been worse, and Sparky, thanks for the call. It would have been worse if he had decided to pitch through it and decided in May or June that he needed the surgery. Then that would be an issue. I think they could survive, especially early on. I think they could survive. They could make it through till June. Let's go to Andy in Miami. You're on the fan, Andy. Uh, it's great to call in to you, Coach. Sorry I called late. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Wonderful. I wanted to let you know, unlike Mike, uh, I, I reserve tickets ahead of time. So I wanted to tell you what it's like because I know you'll be going to Met games. Uh, I went to the Met game on Monday at the Stadium of the Palm Beaches, mm-hmm. and it was great. It was the first sporting event I've done since COVID. Oh, nice. And, you know, we, we wore masks. And what you'll do is they'll sell seats in, like, pods. Yes. So... I was in a group with, with three friends, and because we got it really early, sorry about the other dog in the back, okay. <laughs> we, got it, uh, we got it really early. We were front row, mm-hmm. and uh, I watched Jordan Yamamoto on Monday, and the only run he gave up was a, a ball where he, he slid on the field. Mm-hmm. He pitched again today on five days rest, yeah. and he looked really good. Yeah. And I watched him for the Marlins. I think he could really be a serious contender for back end of the rotation. Mm-hmm. But what I really loved about being in the front row when I was right next to the Mets dugout were two things I saw. Pete Crow Armstrong, who my younger son played against, went to Westlake High School. Cool. And he was a first-round pick of the Mets last year, and my son was invited to a tournament in Cary, North Carolina. And he said Pete Crow Armstrong was the number one hitter there. Very nice kid. And just watching him, he got a base hit. I watched, him get his, I watched two Mets get their first hits as Mets. Cool. One was Pete Crow Armstrong. The other was Frank Lindor. And Lindor is so electric on the field. Even the Nationals players loved him. And uh, his first at bat, there was a diving catch, and he got out. And you could see he wanted to make sure the center fielder of the Nationals saw him. And he, like, in playful, you know, kidding around, he shook his fist at him. Mm -hmm. And you could see, like, everybody just laughing. And he would walk over and, like, he saw Conforto end an inning by, like, getting thrown out on a close play. And, by the way, Conforto looked good. He was raking. And uh, he went and got Conforto's glove and put his arm around them and told them how good he thought his hit was. And I was able to watch this because cool. I was in the front row. Yeah. And then he had a foul ball, and he ran right into me in the fence. I mean, he didn't, <laughs> but right in front of me. Yeah. And I said, man, sign the contract. What and he, uh, <laughs> he, he smiled. And he shrugged like you could see he wants to instead of just ignoring me. Yeah, yeah. He, ha- he he left, and I'm just trying to give you the vibe that yeah, it's really cool watching a player at the top of his game as a young kid genuinely love the sport. Yeah, and you could see that really clearly. Yeah, well, cool, Andy. Great observations. I appreciate that you joining, bringing that to the show, bringing the Florida perspective to the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, I just wish everybody would wear masks more more down here. Yeah, I know. But, uh, I know. Hopefully it'll be over soon. I mean, people are acting here like it's already over. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I have cousins that live there. I know. 
Andy, thanks for the call. Talk next week. Sure. All right. And John, if you can keep this, John, hi, John, if you can keep this to about 20 seconds, you'll be the, the closer. You'll be the Mariano Rivera of tonight. Sure, Danielle. It'd be my pleasure. Hey, uh, how about all the Knicks fans shutting up now and not looking to include R.J. Barrett in any kind of trade here? Yeah, right. Come on, he's only 20 years old. He's going to get better. He's, a, he's an absolute keeper. And if I'm going to make any trades, Daniela, it's going to be, I'm going to be a seller. I'm not going to be a buyer. I'm going to look to add more draft capital as a deadline. What do you hear and what do you think? Yeah, John, thanks for the call, and I appreciate you keeping that short there. Uh, yeah, R.J. Barrett, um, it's amazing what good coaching does, right? Um, they interviewed Tom Thibodeau after the game today, and he basically said, you know, he, it's a byproduct of, of the work that he is putting in. And the work that he's putting in, um, it, it's showing on the court. So, yeah, I think Nick's uh, – I think stand pat for this year and then go after it next year. So um, that's my opinion. Um, so there you go. Thanks to all the callers. Could not have done this without you guys. I love coming here, talking with you all. If you missed any portion of the show, radio.com app, it's free. You do the rewind. At 440 was Brian Hoke, MLB.com's and, and Yankees reporter, who, you know what? Actually, just while you're there, just go ahead and rewind to 3 a.m. Just listen to the whole thing um, while you're at it. And guess what? I'm going to be on CBS Sports Network with John Marks later today at noon. If you wanted to set your alarm for that, uh, we'll talk New York Jets draft strategy. Uh, that's what he said. So great job to Nick behind the glass tonight. Mike McCann on the updates. Bob Salter is coming your way next. Hit me on, on Twitter at CoachMCCARTAN, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Talk to you guys next week. Sports Radio 101.9 FM.